Welcome to the Best Picture Cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I recently completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one. Each episode, myself and revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who should have won podcast. We are here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or we praise a movie that you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email, which is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Again, you can email us at bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Or you can hit us up on our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're all live and running. We respond to all. And you can find us there at Best Picture Cast, simply at Best Picture Cast, just how it sounds. And we're back again. We're in our second year run here. We, As you know, last week we had our one-year anniversary. And we're back to do something a little new this this week. Up until this point, we have had entirely male voices. It's been a bro fest. And we are going to be doing something a little different this week. Yes. My two co-hosts today, uh, a few months back, kind approached of... me and said we love the podcast, but we think that maybe we should hear from some different voices here. Less and... of a haggis fest. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that is right. So I'll introduce them first, and, and then we'll talk a little bit more about that. But first, uh, I have here Mikola. Mikola, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited. Excited to make your debut. Don't forget whose idea this was. That's right. Well, we're gonna, <laughs> we'll go joint credit for now, but we'll fight over that later. And uh, also in joining us too, we have Danielle. Danielle, how are you doing today? Doing great. Happy anniversary. Yes. One year in and uh, we're starting We're starting here too with uh, two lovely ladies here to discuss Braveheart. Yes. We're so excited. Yes. And if you're wondering, you know, why Braveheart? selected for this we kind of looked at it and said you know if we're going you guys i think danielle you said you know i listened to your sound of music episode right and it was like all right just a bunch of guys sitting around talking about sound of music and then you girls were like well you know we, we want to come on and let's talk about a, a bro movie so yeah, something manly yeah. quote unquote yeah <laughs> right so we went through the list and we came up with braveheart so girls what's your first experience with braveheart I've always known about it. It's definitely one of those movies that's just a household name. However, I had not seen it until uh, I was given this assignment, and I've watched it twice. The first time was pretty brutal. Got to admit. In many ways, I'm sure, right? Very brutal. Uh, I also think I was watching it maybe a little hungover, a little schleppy, and it's just not the type of movie you watch for a light a light moment, so. <laughs> As when you're hungover, a light moment. Lesson learned uh, upon watching it the second time, though. I, I did enjoy it a bit more, but you may find that I have some critiques along the okay. way. Okay, we love that around here. So that was Danielle's first experience. Mikkel, was your first experience with I've Braveheart. also never seen Braveheart. The only time I've seen Braveheart is when, you know when you're watching a movie and you just need to like eat something and have something on in the background and you go through like your list of movies and you go through them. So whenever I'm with a bunch of dudes, I have a lot of guy friends, right? <laughs> Braveheart, you know, so when they're scrolling through, it's either Braveheart or Die Hard. So if that movie's on, they're going to put it on the background so they can talk over it because they already kind of know it. So I had thought that I've seen Braveheart, but I've never actually seen Braveheart because I know of the war scene and that's it. So I've, like Danielle, never actually seen this movie. So when we decided to get this assignment, 
we, well, I watched it. Um, I actually, I watched it twice, just like Danielle. I felt that I actually enjoyed it more the first time, more than mm-hmm. the second time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Towards the second time, I thought it was, you know, got a little long, but um, yeah, never seen it. So Great. It was, it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this one is like, for me, is one that I hadn't seen until college and then college it's on a lot. And then I watched it probably a couple years after college and really haven't seen it since. So this watch, believe it or not for me, where a lot of my friends can quote every line and have seen every scene. This watch, I'm seeing a lot of scenes for the first time. It was fresh enough where I was kind of able to watch the movie in its own sitting and not just a replay of, of years of seeing the movie over and over again where something like, like Departed or when we yeah. get to Gladiator, like I know it so well, but it's just, you know, it's like the back of my hand. So, And I, I do want to say too, Mikola, your husband has been on the podcast before, so listeners have heard of him. That's Oz. Yeah, he has, and um, Birdman, which I loved, mm-hmm. and then that other movie. Yeah, uh, really Cavalcade. Crappy, is, Cavalcade. Yes. Yeah, so he was watching <laughs> it. I know, I know. Oh, no, so sorry. Um, so he was watching it, and then he went to do the podcast as well. So yes, he's been on it for sure. Yes, yeah, our Cavalcade episode, which is, Cavalcade is widely considered one of the worst Oscar Best Picture really? winners. Really? So, yeah, so See, he, I did not know that. He uh, braved the storm for that. And Danielle, your husband, is like the lost host. He was supposed to be <laughs> he was supposed to be on the original episodes. He was the original episodes were going to be Artie, Chris, and Mike, I believe. And then Joey R, who has now been on the most BPC episodes, kind of took his slot in there and because Mike we couldn't we couldn't figure it out at that time. And then I think in the Chicago episode we even mentioned that he was gonna be on next week's Shape of Water Mike episode, would be so and good. it never happened, and it never happened. Yeah, it was partially because the world changed a little bit last. Have you Shape of Water yet? We have not. It's still, um, uh, it's still out there for him. So I it's not. I so he's kind of been the lost. That's been the Shape of Water is the lost Best Picture cast episode. So we'll hope to make that uh, happen soon. I'll so. be the pioneer of the family. I'm excited. Couple yes, you're gonna you're gonna have to have to step in and be the one. So I'm I'm super excited to have you ladies here Me and too. to kind of uh, take this podcast to the next step here and we're talking Braveheart so before we do so I want to hear what you ladies are drinking here today what do we have uh, what are we sipping on awesome so we are Danielle and myself are drinking dirty martinis mm-hmm. um I decided to forego the beer okay um I know that's what you guys historically do but I think dirty hey, we're martinis, breaking history today we're I know we are breaking so make history, your own history today and I like beer but I feel like dirty martini is so much easier to drink and it's less of like opening up the cans and just a tad of liquid courage doesn't hurt either oh of yeah course, and I feel like course. martinis just go right to the brain but I told so you I may not be responsible just one for me just no you said 1.5 you said 1.5. There. <laughs> Martinis go right to the brain yeah. just like Mel Gibson does, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, right? my God. So I do I think that uh, before I let you know what I'm drinking to, I think maybe the, this is a good time to start and say we've covered some problematic characters on this podcast before with Kevin Spacey was probably the most notable one. And we'll do it again. I can believe we have the Annie Hall, Woody Allen episode coming up. So depending what camp you're in, Mel Gibson might be a little more problematic than others. I think some probably look at him as the worst person in the world. Others are just, <laughs> you know, can just separate it from the movies. I know you girls are kind of like both have different takes on that. I do want to put the disclaimer out there is here, BPC, we separate the art from the artist best we can. We're talking about the movie. And I think Joey put it great a couple weeks ago. Just because one person who worked on the movie is an asshole doesn't mean the 200 other people who were behind the camera, behind the costume design, the extras, the supporting actors, doesn't mean their work has to be thrown out just because one guy's an asshole. Absolutely. So, sure. Uh, but watching this movie, it can, it can change your view on it. Just like watching American Beauty, 
do I, you know, I'm, I'm watching Kevin Spacey parade around and can I separate the art from the artist? How easy is it? So, um, Danielle, why don't, you, why don't you go first? Sure. Well, undoubtedly, Mel Gibson has a storied history and, and is certainly a bit problematic. Um, however, and I was discussing this with my husband on the ride up, had I watched it closer to its original air date, I really don't think I would have the same opinion. I remember even through the early aughts really loving Mel Gibson and like what women want and finding him extremely charming and likable and, and that definitely translates uh, in this film as well. However, everything in hindsight, don't want to be too much of a Monday morning quarterback, but mm -hmm. it was a bit difficult for me to not see him as, as the human and the actor in that role. So. Yeah, and it's not like he plays a subtle role in this one either. <laughs> he is, the camera is definitely locked on him most of the time. He's certainly not a supporting. Yes, no, no. And and Mikola, you kind of had a, a, a little kind of flip view in that. Yeah, so I actually did not even know that Mel Gibson directed Braveheart until after I watched the, the first time, and then the credits started rolling, and I laughed so hard. Because as the credits were rolling, I, like, so we watched the whole Braveheart, and then it started, this was just like three weeks ago, and then the credits were rolling, and I'm like, oh, he's directed this, this makes so much sense, and I just started laughing so hard. I completely separate the two. I don't really yeah. think of him as Mel Gibson and what he's been known, you know, whatever he's been known for, but I separate the two. But after watching it the second time, knowing that he has directed it, it made a little bit more... It was funnier. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit funnier. Right. Okay, so we'll, I guess we'll shelve this conversation now. This is going to come up again when we get to the Twitter questions. So we'll, we'll leave it there for now. But for, for the sake of this conversation to the end of the Braveheart talk, we'll just talk about Braveheart as it existed as a movie and as these fictional characters kind of did their thing. So as far as what I'm drinking today, I have, um, if, as you may or may not know, if this is not your first episode of Best Picture Cast, we read off uh, before... We go into the year and to the best picture. We read off the president that year. We read off the World Series winners and then the number one song of the year. And I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan, okay. Okay, whether you know that or not. And they've only won one championship, and it was in 1995. So here we are. This is the only one I get to say. So I've known you for like almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. I have not known that. that yeah, Atlanta like... Braves. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? It's out of state. You know, we're up here in the Northeast. So but why? Why? Like, just, the origin uh, story. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with that 95 World Series mm -hmm. and uh, watching them, you know, win with the Hall of Fame pitching staff and... You're that vulnerable I just, uh, teenager age. Yeah, I was, like uh, I was about 11. Okay. You know, no, my dad's a meth fan. My really? dad's a big meth fan. My whole so family are meth so fans. Who, how did you? They're on TV. They're on TBS every day. So sure, I got to sit and watch. Yeah, yeah. Did, yeah this, I get that. So I was just a kid who loved to watch baseball. They were on. They had a great team. And they won the World Series in 95. And then the following year, 96, lose to the Yankees, in which everyone else that I was friends with was a fan of. So that, that one stung a little bit. But 95 is the one year I get to celebrate. So I have a Georgia beer. Okay. It's the Sweetwater Brewery. It's a great brewery down in Atlanta. I love that name. And it's the uh, it's the Sweetwater Brewing Company Hazy IPA. So I love Hazy IPAs. I love the great state of Georgia. And uh, there we go, Sweetwater. So that's what we're doing here. And I do want to say that yesterday, probably the biggest legend in the history of the Atlanta Braves, Hank Aaron, passed away. Yes. yes. So I do want to give a little shout out to him yes. as well. And we'll believe it or not, yes, cheers to, yes. cheers to the great Hammer and Hank. Yes. The and real home run champion. Yes. Uh, and believe it or not, this year in the at the Oscars, a documentary on Hank Aaron is one of the nominees. Believe it or not. Oh, really? So, yeah. So it's awesome. Little little coincidences, but I think we've done a nice little intro here. Are we ready to get into that? Let's you girls try. ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. Deep dive. Here we go. So the year is 1995. The U.S. president is Bill Clinton. 
The World Series was played between the Atlanta Braves and the Cleveland Indians, and those Atlanta Braves defeated the Cleveland Indians in sixth game to win their first and, to date, only championship since moving to Atlanta in 1966. They were led by manager Bobby Cox. The Braves' Game 6 World Series win was fueled by a masterful pitching performance by World Series MVP Tom Glavin and a dramatic home run by David Justice. Justice is the former husband of Oscar Award winner Halle Berry and had his likeness featured in 2011's Moneyball. The Braves' championship pitching rotation featured three Hall of Famers, including aforementioned Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox, and John Smoltz. The Billboard number one song of the year, girls. Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. Yes, of course, yeah. Coolio. What movie was that in with Michelle um, Pfeiffer? Yup, Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds, yes. we have yes. a soundtrack winner. Yes. A soundtrack winner that year. So Billboard number one, it was one of the best-selling singles of all time, or so. It was Coolio featuring LV. Yes, uh, LV, yes. Yes, LV, of course, the great LV. Uh, sampled <laughs> <laughs> sampled uh, from a Stevie Wonder song, Pastime Paradise. I, that didn't, I, that. I did not know that. No, nope. yeah, Pastime Paradise. Uh, was also, of course, later spoofed by Weird Al Yankovic. Yes, of course. Uh, Amish Paradise. To the tune of Amish Paradise. Yeah. Very good. Uh, in addition to being the number one selling single of the year, Gangsta's Paradise would take home a Grammy and two MTV VMA Awards. Remember when the VMA Awards mattered? Were a thing? Of course, yeah. It was a big thing. It was as big as the Oscars back then, I think. You know. Definitely. Within our age group, it was, at least. I think so. And while many remember Coolio, some may not remember the great LV. Are we going to play a song right now? No, but I'll give you a little, uh, oh, I'll give you a little like, LV rundown. Girls, what do you think LV stands for? I'll give you a hint. He was a big boy. Long, long champs? <laughs> I didn't mean big as in long. I meant big as in chubby. But <laughs> large, big and tall. Large V. You have the large, right? Right. Large. It's large variety. Oh. Yeah, large variety, Larry Sanders. I was going to say that next. <laughs> Large variety Larry Sanders grew up a gospel singer in South Central LA. Yeah, so there you go. If you didn't didn't know, you'd be hearing about LV. He never really had another hit, though he did release a version of that song where he sings the verse and the chorus. I don't think that one ever really got popular. Really? Well, yeah, they took Coolio out and put himself in. But have you heard it? I have not. Okay. Couldn't well, how it. do we know? That's for me. Yeah. Wiki Wikipedia, that's how we know all of our facts. <laughs> you know? I know, that's so true. Other notable number ones that year include TLC's Waterfalls. Oh, yeah, of course we know that one. Madonna's Take a Bow. Blues Travelers Runarounds. Oh, yes. Boys to Men on Bending Knee. Oh. Great one. <laughs> there it is. Crowd how, favorite. How about uh, a, a, a seventh and eighth grade dance hit? Yes. Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It. Oh, yes, yeah. 100%. Dance eight feet away from everyone you know. Hootie and the Blowfish, Only Want to Be With You. Amazing. And a personal favorite, and an also from a famous soundtrack it would be Seal Kiss from a Rose wow. on the Batman Forever soundtrack great songs Ooh, great year of music great year of music smack into middle school uh, yeah know. those were oh, good yeah. times great weird, times weird memories the best picture winner of 1995 was Braveheart took home the coveted Oscars directed by Mel Gibson produced by Mel Gibson and Bruce Davey the original screenplay play was by Randall Wallace. Not sure if he was a descendant of William Wallace, but spelled the same way. 
Uh, scores by James Horner, cinematography by John Toll. The movie's starring Mel Gibson, Brennan Gleeson, Catherine McCormick, Angus McFadden, David Patrick O'Hara, Sophie Marco, and Brian Cox. It was nominated for 10 Oscars and the winner of five, including Best Picture, Best Director Mel Gibson, Best Cinematography John Toll, Best Sound Effects Editing, and Best Makeup. It was also nominated for, but did not win, original screenplay, Randall Wallace. Score, James Horner. Film editing, costume design, and sound. Braveheart. Ladies, we're here. Going back to the 1200, the late 1200s? Like into the 1300s? 13? Yeah, 1280 to 1314. Yeah, it was a good time. A good time back then, yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, as we know, there's not a lot of history from this part of the country, from that time of the world, as far as what was recorded. So I want to start there, because I think, like, one of the things that people love to, or at least the detractors of this movie, and we'll get into how we all felt about it, and whether, what, what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it, but I feel like this is a movie where there's the people who would just love it, like it's gospel, and then there's people who are like, ugh, Braveheart. So... I think one of the detractors is is that it's not historically accurate. That's like the thing it's that people love. incredibly inaccurate. Right, okay. <laughs> so, Mel Gibson himself and the writer have come out to say, yeah, it's not. Like, we weren't going for that. And one of the things that I kind of find amusing about that is they tell you in the first line of the movie that this isn't historically accurate. They, li they literally, they go, the first line of the movie is... The narrator, even in the beginning when he's like going over... Yeah, he goes yeah. go right away. Yeah. He says, this, I'm going to tell you about... William Wallace. And he says, I have it right here, historians from England will say I'm a liar, but history is written by those who hanged heroes. So he's, he's telling you right now. That's actually my favorite quote. It's, I wrote it, that down go. as my favorite quote. I did as well. You yes, did? It's right in the first Oh my God, it and was in the first couple of minutes. And also was... mine. So this is the, in, in That's addition. That's so funny. Yes. History was written by those who hang heroes. Like that was my favorite quote That's of the great. movie. So in addition to having female voices on for the first time and dirty martini drinkers. We also have for the first time all of the co-hosts picking the first line of the movie as their quote from the movie. So there we yeah. go. So look at that. Making, yeah. making history in a historically inaccurate movie. Absolutely. So it's the Absolutely. only way to do it. Absolutely. And the screenwriter himself said that he wrote the movie first and then read up on the history afterwards. So like really? it, there was very little attempt to make this accurate at all. And there is very little documented about that time anyway. So Yeah. But it's great to have these type of movies because I would not have known who he was anyway. Did I look it up after the movie? Absolutely not. Nor did I. Yeah, right. right. But what I'm saying is that like, when you have movies like this that mention someone that may be historically accurate, it takes someone to go into their computer or their phone and actually look up the person. So I don't care if it's historically accurate. I don't. Yeah. I care about it as bringing the attention to something that I've never even known about. So, knowledge no matter what. So, I was a history major. Oh, <laughs> so, you're gritting your yes. teeth. So, you're gritting your yes. teeth over there. Okay. Uh, and I do generally go into the deep dive on Google and Wiki post-movie. Um, like it or not, it's just a habit. Cool. Sometimes I'll do it concurrently. But one thing that came to mind when watching Braveheart and knowing actually just a little vaguely about the criticism of inaccuracies from mm -hmm. certain critics was uh, it was hard not to think about The Crown on Netflix, which has gotten a lot of heat this past year for similar reason. Um, and while they both fall under the same genre of like historical fiction, I don't necessarily find them one and the same. Okay. Um, so in one way with The Crown, these are real events, mostly, you know, still living people. However, 
they're filling in dialogue and whereas this one without getting too mundane into all of the details so much of it doesn't make sense it's like they pick different pieces copy paste from different periods of time which within scottish history so i thought that was a bit bold one thing we've discussed on this podcast before and i feel like it's something that's probably going to come up again as it's coming up right now is when you're making a movie about something that happened or based on something in history or in reality, and I'm glad that I have a history major here to, to ask this question to because I've asked this to some co-hosts in the past. As a viewer of the movie, is it more important for you to get the story right or is it more important for you to watch an entertaining movie? And obviously it's, it's, not, it's not A or B, like there's a scale there. But as, as a viewer, where, where do you land in that? I think there has to be somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. I don't think that they pretend to be uh, biographical at all, even though th these are really truly based on real figures. And I think that's why it was hard for me to really understand because there are certain people and cases and characters from the movie that were either not alive at the time or at the right age to be matched up with that person. For example, Princess Isabel and William Wallace, she's much younger than him. That would not have worked. Yeah, I think she was like five when he died. So yeah. it, it's completely fictional, right? Right. So if you're going that route, why not make it absolutely fictional? I mean, the, the whole thing is based on this uh, poem, which we don't know if it's accurate. It's yeah. from the medieval times. We don't know. But certain things in the costume, um, the use of kilts, that was not a thing at that time. Certain weaponry and such. Even... The blue face paint. Yeah, that face was, paint. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't a thing. Yeah. Mel Gibson did that to match his eyes. I'm 100%, <laughs> 100% certain that's why that happened. Those piercing sure. blues. He had to get they, out uh, there. They were a little piercing because yeah. he's so dirty otherwise. <laughs> um, I feel like I like to watch movies for the cinematic. I, I don't think too deeply into it. Mm -hmm. However, if I was, if I had a family that was portrayed in a negative way in a movie, then of course I would be offended. I would look yeah. into it. So this kind of brings me to my next thing. We talked a little bit about in our Mutiny and the Bounty episode. And Mutiny and the Bounty, which is a 1935 winner, very old movie, but it is Clark Gable versus Charles Lawton. And Charles Lawton is your traditional Hollywood villain. You know, he's, he is the tyrannous captain who is beating down the crew. And Clark Gable is the, he'd be your Mel Gibson stand-in where he's going to rise up against, take the ship and do the mutiny to get Lawton out of here. In reality, Lawton wasn't a bad guy at all. He, and he's kind of looked a bit as a British hero. And the mutiny was just a bunch of just crew members just taking the ship over because they didn't want to do work or whatever. So right. they made a very Hollywood thing. Yeah, it's a great movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. But if you're the family members of Charles Lawton, exactly. if you're the, yeah, who plays Captain Bly, if you're the family members of Captain Bly, I think the family members of Charles Lawton were probably very happy. You know, he's nominated for an Oscar for the performance. That's a good point you brought up, Nicola, is as the legacy of the person, you're kind of throwing him under the bus a little bit. Sure. If you're like super Scottish, right, and your family talks about these things, you know about William Wallace or whatever, that I feel like it would, it would hit home in a different way. But if you're just watching it as an Oscar-winning movie or just watching a movie in general, like I just, I don't care if it's historically accurate. Yeah, and I think I'm kind of in the same place. And I've kind of, I've had this discussion a few times now. So I, I want you to tell, as a director or as a screenwriter, I want you to tell a story that's going to deliver a theme or deliver a message or whatever it is. And the, and the tools that you use to do so, use them how you will. And I think that I'd almost rather it this way where it's so not 
close to history. Like you said, Danielle, there's kilts and, and face paint and characters who weren't even born when these characters were alive. Like, it's kind of so over-the-top, not historically accurate. When delivering the theme and the message of this movie, it kind of works a little better for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we're really throwing a specific person under the bus, like a mutiny in the bounty. So another one is, have you girls seen or heard of the movie Elephant Man? Yes. Heard. I've yeah. heard. I've never so, <laughs> seen it. Yeah, I know it's the guy with the face. Yeah, and there's a character <laughs> in it who's a real-life person who in the movie is, you know, horrible. Like, exploits him and parades him off, kind of like in Pinocchio. You know how they take uh, Pinocchio and, and put him in the cage. Don't yes, make me similar, cry. Right, similar, similar type of deal. But the real-life person was actually, like, a great person who was his mentor and helped sure. him. Like, and they just, you know, and his, and his family was, and this is one's much closer to the time. His family was like, what the fuck? Like, you know, like, this isn't how it happened. You're, like, throwing my uncle under the bus here. Right. So it can get touchy there. I, I get that. For sure. I don't view it in that uh, prism. I don't look at it as oh, what are the, like what are the family members thinking? What is the legacy? I'm just like why, why? Okay, that's yeah. all. Like you would like you would if prefer Princess them Isabella tell the story. was a toddler at the age that she would have been married and uh, consummating whatever uh, affection with William Wallace. Why not replace her with the truly fictional character? That's I don't all. logically. I, it doesn't make sense to me. I, and that's about where I as can't deep as argue it goes. with that. Make up, just make up someone. Just why, why are you? Yeah. Costume-wise is being a bit nitpicky, but it's truly just about certain characters that that did exist around a certain time. Obviously, there's a line of succession. So before she was the queen or the princess of Wales, as she is in that time period, why not replace her with whoever actually was in that role at the time? With the kilts and with the face paint, I think it highlights a general disregard for history. So it's just more, you could just tack it on top of, they didn't care about history at all when they made this. And I could see how it could bother some people, but to me, like, I look at it, they tell you in the first line that historians are going to call me a liar. And they do. <laughs> they pretty yeah. much do. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting debate. Sometimes with this one, there's a movie that can be a little, that can lend toward themes. We've covered some movies that don't really have themes at all. They're just there. But this <laughs> one, uh, this one I feel at least does. And I think that it's one of the major redeeming qualities of this movie. So I want to ask you girls, kind of, when we look at this thematically, or what does William Wallace represent? Danielle, what do you think? I don't know that I could label thematically or uh, symbolically what William Wallace would represent, but I did feel like there were many moments of mysticism, seeing dead people, dreaming, that was meant to tie in to something that I didn't quite figure out, but... I think with William Wallace that he was a leader. He was obviously about the liberation of the Highlanders and a unifying factor for the commoners. And that's just your ultra protagonist, just someone who is so well respected and loved and is a true leader and a true man. I felt a lot of masculinity in this movie. Well, it's just, it's about 98% dudes in the cast. Yeah, it's a lot of masculinity. I feel also that... A lot of big dick energy. I know, (laughs) an actual peen. I mean, I was not prepared for that and shocked that that was allowed in 1995. And bum, don't forget. (laughs) They went from the front to the back really quickly. Yes, yes. So I, I know there's a lot of people talking about like how this is supposed to be like a romance movie and then it's 0% romance movie, in my no. opinion. It has nothing ag- to do with romance. I would agree with you there. Yeah. yeah, it was so silly how some people would make think that, right? So in the beginning, they're talking about um, how she can't read English and he speaks French. Great. That's all I got from that. <laughs> then it went quickly went away and then it was just Mel Gibson throughout the whole movie like leading this army and I love the gossip. 
between the different clans and whatever they were talking about. Like, oh, have you heard Mel Gibson is seven feet tall and he kills yep. like 700 men with one spear or whatever it was. So it was just Mel Gibson throughout the whole movie. I didn't think too deeply into it again, but it was definitely not a romance movie. It was just Mel Gibson um, fighting sure. the whole time. Yeah, so I think that, and, and that's good that you bring that up, Michael, is the, you know, the whole, the lore of him. And then, you know, it shows him running on the mountaintop. And I the think one that, scene when he's running on the mountaintop. Yeah, with his, right. Like, and, and it's after he, like, the end. busted into the guy's room. Oh, don't talk to me about, about that him. part. <laughs> the the giddy-up scene where he just, so like, giddy-up into that guy's think, room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> William Wallace's presence in this movie is what it is. It's the stable factor. It's, he can do no wrong. Everything is, everything is good by him. And then the king, King Edward, is kind of like one-dimensional evil. And I think that's maybe one of my problems with this movie is that the bad guys are so bad and so like nothing but bad that that's not a complicated villain to me. That's just, yes. it's just, I rule and everything I do is to screw over William Wallace. And it's like, that's just not really how it goes. But I think that when you get a movie that's so diametrically opposed like that, we have your William Wallace and you have your King Edward, I look to what's in between. And, and I think that when you look at the Robert the Bruce character, who's kind of, to me, is the, is the most interesting character in the movie because I think he's, he's meant to represent what we are as the viewer. It's like, how are we, how are we going to flip play flop. this thing out? Yeah, are we he going to, a lot. Yeah, are we, are, are, are we in this here to better ourselves and our peers? And do we sacrifice what we've earned and what we've, what we've accomplished for this, these other tribes that are connected to us that have a little less, that do we, you know, do we give back to what they have going on, or am I just kind gonna go to rule to keep my position, or are we going to fight with what we think is truly right? Are you gonna do what you believe in despite what it might cost you? There's a lot of like, there's a lot of that debate going on here in this. So I think that the movie thematically for me is a, there's a lot of like what it means to be noble. They say that a few times, or what it means to be a man or a, well, a they, person. Well, they talked a lot about, like, thinking with your head. Like, th- that was throughout the whole movie. Like, when he was really young and his uncle took him on, the, one of the first things that said to him was, like, think with your head, think with your head. So I thought a lot of the movie after, I watched it the second time, and his uncle, um, what was his name? Argyle. 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 How can I forget that? It's a prank. Yes. Brian so, Cox, the great yes. Brian Cox. Yes. Well, what shows you on the... You, you, Succession. Go, Succession. Like, Succession. I know him as Brian Cox. He's in, I, the, I he's in Manhunter. Him. He's the original Hannibal Lecter. Yep. And you guys are like, nope. Succession. Succession. That's the only thing I recognize. <laughs> the only thing I know him from. The <laughs> only thing I recognize him from. One of the first things... I didn't notice that the first time, but the second time I watched it, one of the first things that he said to him, obviously, was like, you know, look at the brain, right? Like, you're fighting with your brain. And then this was the second time I watched it. And throughout the movie, I was like, oh... So William Wallace is fighting with his brains. He's tactical, right? So he's telling the guys to come up from behind this army mm-hmm. with their arrows. Like he's not, he's not thinking like I just want to beat people up. Like he was just thinking of more. He's tactical, and that's what his uncle had taught him. And same with the languages, he's able to learn and speak those different languages. Remember they tried, yeah, which was so random. Like, well, oh, they t- later in the movie they try to talk to, they try to like talk around him while he's there. Like they speak. Oh, I know. Like, he's like, like I am a savage. In. Yeah, he's like, he's like you're and, right yeah. about everything. Other but I am a yeah. savage. So, uh, that's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> let me ask you girls this. They could have expanded on that more though. I agree. Spoke, like, Just because of the language. amount of layers and complexity to the character of uh, Robert the Bruce, who I did not like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, get to, we'll get to yeah, old Robert, okay. but I, I want to ask you girls this. What did you think of the beginning sequence as a whole? More specifically, William Wallace as a child. Before we meet Mel, 
before we get to get to see Gibson trotting around, what what did you think of that whole beginning segment? I didn't realize I was watching a movie and then 40 minutes just went by. <laughs> like, that was the weirdest part. No, seriously. In a I'm good not... way or in a bad way? In a bad way. Yeah. It was very <laughs> weird. Like, I, you know, it's one of those movies where I thought I'd watched full two hours and I, I watched 40 minutes of this movie. Um, the kid was great, very dirty, had the same beautiful blue eyes. Like, I could see that. Never acted before, too. It was his first, really? uh, first attempt really? at acting. Yeah. You know, I liked his interaction with Moran, um, their first interaction, which was really cute and really sweet. And I hated the fact that, you know, you come in in the movie and you just see all these people hung, including his brother. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of like dad... a, It was kind of like a Discovery Zone with dead bodies everywhere, you know? Oh, it's my like God. Tough way. It's oh, a tough way I to miss grow Discovery up. Zone. <laughs> Don't talk to me about Discovery Zone. I think about that, like, in a weird way, like, yeah. monthly. Um, very sad that that was like the first like 10 minutes of the movie. Um, I did not know where the movie was going to go from there. I was like, not ever seeing it. So it's funny too, that you said that 40 minutes passed and you thought you were two hours in. Yeah. A hundred percent. I got to like the two and a half hour mark and was ready for another two hours. No. So like, <laughs> I think that that's the so dude. Funny. I think that might be the dude yeah, versus I, Falcon, That right? whole part happened. So. You know, I'm not going to get too much in, you know, deep into this. But when the first war happened, the first war, I thought the movie was over. Yeah. <laughs> and then my husband's like shaking his hands, like, "Oh, sweetie." Oh, uh, yeah. Well, we're, we're, we have plenty hours. of plenty of time to talk about the yeah, first big battle because like, that's what uh, Daniel. What did you think of the first the segment with him as as a younger kid? That whole section there. I thought the young boy did a great job acting. I enjoyed meeting. Uh, baby Hamish and watching yes. that first of yeah. several punches the throughout the movie. And, now, and, yeah. and so they cast the young Ham- Hamish, Hamish Hamish. The kid who played William Osselson was just that kid's friend. And he, the kid just said, hey, you know, you should talk to my friend. No he like, would be good. And they liked him. They liked him. Boom. Put him in there. So that's how, that's how kids out. work yeah. out. I love that right. scene too. When they were like fighting with the, although they were fighting and then he just like punches. True roughhousing. I was like, oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, right by the river. They never grew out of it either. They're throwing rocks at each no, other. No, they did not grow out of it either. I, too, though, was distracted by the amount of filth. Everybody yeah. just looked really dirty. Late 1200s, you know? No, no, uh, no hot showers. Aesthetically accurate. Don't you, have the movie? Don't you have wells or rivers? You could just wipe your face. He's just so dirty. I'll say, I'll say this. I thought the opening shot of the movie and, and both your girls picked it as your quote. So obviously you were taken a little bit by the very beginning of the movie, the bagpipes into the shots of sure, the, uh, of the countryside with the uh, amazing. Sucks I love you right that in, scenery. Drags you the right misty in. Great. Scotland is exactly what you pictured Scotland to be like. I've never been. Uh, have you guys? I have not. I've I have never not. been real. No, but that's what I picture Scotland yeah. like. So that was like a perfect first art. Yeah, and the movie is filmed in Scotland and Ireland. So like they, okay. t- yeah, they took the majority of it's filmed in Ireland, but the big shots are yeah. done make in Scotland. Make it green, make it rainy. That's it. That's right. <laughs> so I'm happy to hear it wasn't filmed in like Vancouver or something. No, that's oh my usually gosh, what they yes. did with this stuff. I appreciate the character development that they attempted at sure. with, with the kid and you know and, and Argyle and I love Brian Cox. I kinda wish maybe they gave Brian Cox a role that would have lasted the whole movie. You I know, agree. It's kind of he, wasted. I loved, I'll get loved, into that later. Yeah, okay. No, yeah. He's one of my reassignments. Oh, yeah. wow. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of feel like if we're going to shorten this movie, though, I'm looking at that first that first section. 100% it's just, it's a little too much. The funeral scene is good. You can do, you can find a way to introduce the dad, have the dad killed off, have the kid at the funeral with the girl and move on. We Makes don't, sense. you know, and again, the, him and young Hamish, that's fun, but eh, do we need it? You know, 
I like lifelong friendships. So I really did like seeing them as kids and then re-seeing, like, you know, meeting so each maybe, other So maybe, yeah, again. maybe you can do that in a way that's a little more condensed. Because I, right. I do agree that the, the beginning of this movie crawls a bit. I kind of took more out of it my second watch. Because yeah. my first watch, I was more or less just kind of paying attention to the sights and sounds. Sure. And like they I were laying out so much build up to the plot that like the second time I watched, I'm like, oh, that, that, that makes sense now. Let me yeah. tell you a piece of advice. You should always watch movie three times. First time just to watch. <laughs> what if it sucks though? No, <laughs> so. no. First time just to Only watch. Only for podcasting. Second time to learn and the third time to picture it as like a Broadway show. <laughs> <laughs> Do you I, add songs to each That's character? all, because I, I, yeah. I will watch for the part after this as a Broadway musical. That's amazing. I would that's really what the Dirty like, Martinis want. <laughs> I would have really liked to see more of Argyle and young William doing the travel, doing the sabbatical, seeing yes. him in the Latin and French. The French. And it could have been Rome, a lot of Rather than just throwaway lines, you know, hey, you better learn more languages. Okay, uncle. You know, and then he just learns uh, them, and then they go back to it later on, where you you may or may not even be. And it's a lot. I mean, I don't know what it was like back then. I don't remember. I was too young. <laughs> but I think that like having the uncle come in, and his parents had died. You know, his brother had died. The uncle come in, and take that like that role was amazing. I mean, there probably were other options for him to just be left an orphan, but his uncle came in and tried to take that amazing position as like mm-hmm. a mentor for him. Bring him around Europe and teach him all these languages or the whatever they but talked we about. Never yeah. we never saw it. We never saw it. Of all the scenes that could have happened off camera, one hundred percent. I just think less they lost. war, more of the character development of their relationship. I would have loved that. It was a missed opportunity. Yeah, Definitely. so I think we're all on the same page with that. I mean, I thought this was totally the weakest part uh, of the movie. <laughs> we kind of get. Let's talk prima noctis now. Um, okay. Tough. Tough turn of events in this movie right out of the gate. We have uh, the king. We meet King Edward and his and his son. Who it's a great father son relationship. The two, <laughs> two of them have. Oh, it's so sad. Yes, thick as thieves. Yes, true. They really you could picture them having a catch outside the castle. You know, they really the catch of what <laughs> flowers. <laughs> Maybe someone's head. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. There you go. Noctis, You know, he gets. We get a very literal explanation of what Noctis is, and him deciding to to put it in there, and then we see it in place with with the wedding. How are you girls reacting? Were you ready for this at all? Did you know what this was going into it? I only it knew about it because of the office. I was just going to bring that up. To Michael you. Scott <laughs> like mentions it. I had no idea that that was a thing. It's like, it's so sick yeah, that but, that was like actually a thing back yeah. then. And I know that that's an historical thing that like used to happen, right? And I know that they want to have more Scottish people. Like that's the point of it, right? Well, that and it's scene also, I enjoyed. That bit of dialogue with In, in the, the castle? King. Yes. Yeah, okay. Before he announces it while he's strategizing, I found really compelling as far as seeing just how ruthless the king really was. Just his way of yeah. reading them out, I believe, is what he almost he's said He's like, oh, I have an idea. And like comes up yeah. with like out of nowhere. He's like, I have an idea. As if he wasn't like thinking but about it. But to hear like... it and to see it take place Rough. is a very different thing. 100%. And perhaps I'm just like, I, I blazed out at some point or... I did not realize that was a wedding until there was a bride that was about to be raped. That was just a party. And then they're just so dancing brave. in the fields. Sure. And, yeah. Well, yeah, like people danced in the fields back in the day. I don't know if you knew that. That's all the historical. What I imagine they we did. That's going to be a prominent feature. There was in Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> they always dance in the fields. But did you see, like, when she like whispered to the guy, the the bride, what she said to him? Because they don't say it, obviously, in the subtitles. But I think she said, "It's going to be okay." 
Like you yeah, this, read her mouth a little bit. The dancing that feel for sure will be a prominent feature in Braveheart the musical. Yeah, oh, no, trust me. <laughs> I'm ready to watch it. I'm like very excited about the that. Prima Noctis will be a little more, it'll be just like a dark song and then probably move on, right? Yeah, <laughs> What did you think of the of the king in general? I mean, Daniel, you gave a little a little bit there. Mikola, what did you think? Oh, he's fun. You know, yeah. I do like a villain. <laughs> no, I like know. I do like Shang. Listen, I do like a villain. You have uh-huh. to have a villain. I think he, it was like kind of funny. Like I, yeah. every time he I was like, such a villain too. It's like I, I love the actor's performance. I thought he crushed it. I know. It's like a quintessential villain he's, and his snide marks to his he's son. It's not supposed to be funny, but it kind of right. made me laugh. He was like, very right. clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very he's, clever. And then he made his son know that he was clever. Like every time he would look at his son and say like what his idea was for the next strategy, a lot of, a lot of he would look at him and like he was like, yeah, this is what you should be doing if you're as smart as me. Right, and I like yeah. that. They they had a, had a big side eye relationship. Yeah, the apple did not eye. fall for the tree. No, I think it did fall for oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, the apple the apple rolled over to the orange tree. I think the uh, apple but, delicately rolled down the field. <laughs> um, I I think that and this is kind of the saying like that one dimensional villain. He's a little bit of like what what. We call sometimes a, like a mustache twirling villain. Like he's a okay. little like he's a, he's like a dastardly, yeah. you know. Yes. Ha, he's always plotting. Everything is bad. There's no like there's no moment of humanity with him whatsoever. It's Which just... contrasts with historical uh, depictions of him. Apparently really? he loved his wife and he was ruthless and it's war and that's what war is. Well, involves. let's also talk about this, is we want to talk about who's ruthless. The actual William Wallace would like was a barbarian, basically, he was burning down villages and was a savage himself. So it, it's war is war, I and agree. war in the twelve hundreds is probably a little more war than we're used to. It's a little tough to go so North Pole South Pole with it because there's probably, and I think if you look at something like Game of Thrones, which is probably maybe what we're most used to, and it's funny how they get a pass on all it because they make it they have dragons flying around and it's totally fictional. That they can do whatever they want. So that's probably a smart move on their part because everyone can just like it and just say, oh, okay, they're not right. like calling out the English or they're not calling out the Scottish. Karen, I have to over. tell you that it was virtually impossible for me to not think of Game of Thrones pretty much throughout the movie. So doesn't that give some credit to Braveheart, though? Yes. Yeah. It does. Because yeah. they, I mean, they kind of took the character model with this movie. Joffrey was a more sadistic version of Prince Edward. Yeah. Uh, and so on. So, so many similarities. Yeah, and I think what Game of Thrones did. I'm not a big Game of Thrones guy. But that's a story for another have you podcast. I have watched okay. probably up to five seasons worth. So oh, okay. I'm, I'm so saying I'm, I'm not hating on it. I'm not right. disliking it. It's just really not for me. Sure. But I think one of the things that they did very well is this kind of like with a couple characters aside, the layers within the characters. There are some characters who Game of Thrones. Th- yes. Okay. Yes. They I did showed, not feel that Braveheart. At Braveheart all. is not. So they. I so think they thin. took the Braveheart model and kind of mastered it in, yeah. in, in many yeah. ways. The Prima Noctis deal is really the linchpin for this whole movie. Is because you have that the wedding where it's it's put into play. You have the secret wedding between right. William Wallace and and the love scene by the creek. And, Could we don't forget the love scene by the creek? Let's talk about the love scene by the creek. It's a love scene by the creek. It's not just like a love scene. Okay. <laughs> love scene by the creek. Let's go. I really struggled with that. Okay, Danielle, go. Well, I don't know if this is a criticism of cinematography, uh, but I will just say plainly that I was so distracted by 
for hard nipples. <laughs> no? Nicola. Oh my god, no. <laughs> but no, it's about something physical. So the hairs on William. I, I mean, know. Every, so hairy, right. by the way. Um, but he was excited. He there was must have been he was excited way to about, like, that out. Yeah. But again, like, with the way that I think about things, I was just, you could see their breath. It was because obviously it was so cold. freezing. So His hairs cold. are sticking up, and there's no way that they're I thought boning. the same thing. They're just not. And then the next morning, she's, like, wrapping a kilt around him. I was like, did they sleep in the rocks during the night by the creek? Or, like, what's going on? And that was such a weird scene. So, all let me, like, throw this out here. Do we need sex scenes in movies in no. general? No. Like, no. It's kind of always a little awkward, and it's kind of like... A, it kind of like takes away from what they're yeah. trying to say. Like, I agree. I mean, listen, I don't mind seeing certain people naked myself. Sure, like, sure. it's kind of a fun little add-on. But you and know, she, yeah. <laughs> we talked like a movie like Roadhouse. So, you guys ever seen Roadhouse? Is one of our honorary episodes. There is just an a off the wall bizarre sex scene in that that goes on for so long. And again, that's Roadhouse, which isn't like an Who Oscar best picture winner. Roadhouse? It doesn't matter. It's, oh, okay. uh, yeah, you know, it's it's like Mel Gibson. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it, might, it might have been in they disguise. Been, but, they didn't show them having sex, but it was obviously implied. But so much it might have had But why did it Mel Gibson? Been, it might have been more natural if they did. I you know, it was right. Very, so why did Mel Gibson decide that this was Mel Gibson directing Willie Wobbs to like? Why did he decide that that was like a sexy, cool scene? Like we that's don't so even know. Weird. It, it is he weird. It's, it's and so I, I think weird. it's on the level with Roadhouse. Is what I'm saying. Like I think we're yeah. like Roadhouse just. They just want to show off Patrick Swayze somehow, and this is how they decide to do it. And here, like, it's like Mel's like, "All right, we're gonna take her out to the creek now," you know? Right, and, and like, stand ah. behind her. Just, it's like it's like a music video. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a like, seal music video. Salamanders crawling on me or something, <laughs> yeah, and moss cool. slipping, and I would definitely sprain my ankle. I don't know. Okay, listen, they had to hide the fact that they were getting married, so they had to like you know consummate marriage. They had leaves quiet. in the woods. Let's <laughs> be more responsible. They, they just they could could have done it better. Like, so have, have you girls seen Shakespeare in Love? No, I haven't. Okay, so there's a scene in that where they have a, you know, they have a, a sex scene that's that they're showing everything. Sure. You know, so, but they intertwine it with, it's like a passionate scene, but then they intertwine it with a, almost like a montage of the two of them working on the play together. So okay. they'll go between one to them in the room, like working with each other and then going back. That and it's done. Great. It's done very well. I so like, I think that if you look at that, I'm like, if you're going to do, if you need to put this in the movie to show passion or to show romance or however you want to do it, that's a great way. That's an, ex- that's a good example of it. Um, this is a bad example. Because like you said, Nicola too, I think this isn't, this doesn't hit you as a romantic movie. If they had a pottery wheel, like in Ghost. <laughs> well, there you go. Where he, <laughs> where, where. <laughs> Well, Paula just, just approaches her from the behind and they're doing the pottery. That's different. They definitely <laughs> intended to show that That's they were making love. Scene. But you can't make love by a creek. No, and then wake up the next morning and it's so cold and you're, oh, God. I was Well, I mean, you know, hey, it's it's a it's an activity between two people if the two people are down. But like you know, Mel maybe, maybe that's, maybe Mel the creeks thought and the, this was a good idea. Creeks also, and salamanders turn them on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, how did they fall them so quickly? Just I don't want to talk about well, I don't any okay, historical okay. movie. But They've I, known I, each other I, okay. for a while. Did we get yeah, engaged in like a hot second, McLeod? <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's go. It's different time. Sure. Completely different time. Yeah, and I mean. They did, they did have a connection as children. 
and a very emotional I moment. Right, and then he so came back and he had seventy oh, wrinkles. At the funeral scene with the with the flower, and he saved the flower. Like they didn't meet for the first. Like, he, I didn't know they yes. knew each other. I still don't know if they actually oh, okay. knew each other prior to that, or if he she came was one back of the thirty-seven from years the same later. Community. He she brought. The, he was in his lowest moment. She brought the. She went out of her way to bring the flower from. He saved it his whole life. Like an innocent young it's girl. It's not like he know? just met her at the wedding. It was like, hey, you know, like and. I, not for nothing. I mean, people meet anywhere, you know? It's yeah, but just, he it, came back, what, what it seems like, because he had so many wrinkles on his face, like 37 years later. And I think <laughs> and they, 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 had, they, had, kids, the like, they had four kids by 16 back then, probably. That's true. You know? like, so, no, and they I all die see. by 30. So and I will like, say, you know, I'm not going to, because of the dirt, it's slim pickings. Like, because of the dirt <laughs> and the lack of tartan plaid, like, I feel like if you don't have tartan plaid, not attractive, and that's what the problem is, is that there's slim pickings back then, so they eyed each other from the wedding, and they're like, you're the one, but I don't think he realized right away that she was the one that gave him the flower, obviously. I didn't either. Yeah. But I thought that was, like, too quick. The, their romance was way too quick. This is not... That's why I said before it's not a romance movie. And again, the problem here is we're talking about a three-hour movie as it is, and we're talking about oh. how we can cut it down a little bit, but now we're saying we need to add to certain scenes. You know, we, we need to have right. him and Brian Cox, like... Parading around in Spain and France. Or delete like, so seventy of the of the war scenes. Well, okay. So exactly. now this is where you know this is where we're gonna get into probably one of the more. You mean the nitty gritty? Sparks. Yeah. Well, because I would probably say that those are some of the reasons why people love this movie is really? those battle scenes. I can appreciate how you two look at that and may say, uh, "Come on, this enough's enough. Let's let's move on." You know. But I think just as a viewer myself. I see how they do those scenes in 2020 and I long for the 90s where they actually had 1600 extras and they actually had props and they were actually in costume and they took the hours and hours and hours to get everyone in makeup to make sure everyone is time appropriate. Fake horses that cost a shit ton of money and, and filmed all of this. Because listen, First the other thing, CGI we talk about historical facts. accuracy. It's easy to kind of, to just say, oh yeah, it's a big battle scene, but like, they used to fight battles this way. That like, wasn't a pretty... big battle scene. That was like several different battle scenes like throughout <laughs> the movie. It reminded me, going back to Game of Thrones, of the Battle of the Bastards. Mm -hmm. Just the point where they enclosed mm -hmm. them and, and used that strategy. And just given the discrepancies in time, one being like 95 or 94 possibly when they were filming versus uh, more recently... Cinematography wise, it was just as impressive. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and almost more because the, the you know the green screen and the CGI they just lean on it now, and you everyone's like, oh, did you see the epic battle scene in Endgame? Because they can. I'm like that yeah. that whole scene existed in a computer. It didn't actually happen. You know, right. like they just it was a bunch. It was just you know Paul Rudd walking around with Thor on a green screen. Like yeah, it's not like I don't I didn't mind the battle scenes. I really didn't. Like I I but you just not, thought they were a little too much. No, I, there were several. I mean. I, Again, I, I was very frustrated by the fact the movie was so long. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of, like, where to cut corners. I have nothing to... Like, I, don't, I don't mind the battle scenes. Like, I don't mind a little gore. It doesn't really bother me. Um, whatever Italian dish they decided to use as the guts or whatever. Like, this that's wasn't fine. a little gore. <laughs> no, I know, gore. I know. I don't gonna... like gore. Yeah, no, we'll... I, see, I, don't, I don't mind it. I, 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 it's not that I, like, I, don't, I don't, like, care for it. You just I'm thought just, it was like, too long. No, I just thought, in general, there were so many different battle scenes. I'm sure they could have gotten rid of, like, or made one shorter. There were some that were more interesting than others. So this major scene that kind of spawns from the Prima Noctis is where you have Mel has his, uh, his wife gets accosted by this this nobleman. She bites him in the face. You know, oh, I love that. In the, in the cheek. 
Let's get a cheap, yeah, yeah, get take yeah. some big old, big old chunk out. Yeah, of I love that. And <laughs> blood everywhere, and this is assaulting an, an officer, and you know she's tied up, and you get that kind of rough scene. Immediately, just decides to like. Yeah, he slit makes an example throat. of her. He's going to slit her throat. Ta- right. Times Square, the magistrate cuts her throat, and here we go. You know, now Mel's ready to you know throw down. Michael, you're saying battle scenes. You kind of meant more like the war, like the, the whole war. Two, two. But then I think you're talking about that he gently slices the guy's throat, yeah, yeah. who sliced his love of his life's throat. Like I not going to make saw. him torture, like whatever. Like I thought he was going to do something like crazy, throw him on one of those like huge rocks. Or I'll something. tell you what, that was what that was one of my memories of this movie. Like what the one of the things that if you always ask me, like what do you remember about Braveheart? It's like wow. Well, I remember him getting that guy up against the post and slitting his throat and Gently thinking, come on, slip. like, why can't you beat him up a little first? I know, or like, you know, but I know. I think it was a little like, you did this, now I do this to you. It was like a straight eye for an eye. Look like him in the eye, of- boom, mm. done, you know? could also be interpreted as a mercy killing, which was obviously not the character's intention, but would have been merciful compared to, you know, yeah. how the movie ended and True. other means of True. expression. True. I, I kind of viewed it as a belittlement. Where, you know, you belittled my wife in Times Square. You, you made a, a statement out of her. This is what I think of you. This is what you really... You think you're this magistrate? You think this nobleman? No. Okay? You're, you're, you're the same as her. Right? Oh, you're the same I as wanted anyone. him to do and so much more. And he looked him in the eye and just boom. I know. I got that same thing too. Oh, but I, I do so think mad. that there was something of... Just a in, lack of fanfare. Th- that is one of it. the worst things he could have done to that guy. Because that guy was getting off on power. Getting off on... I'm bigger than everyone. What was I'm one gonna of the make worst things by like just like gently, I guess say gently down. because it was such an easy way to die and not like torturing him. The magistrate's point when he killed Marin is I'm going to make an example. You're just Scottish townspeople and we're nobles. You do not assault us. You do not, we're above well, you. Assault on us is an assault on the king, he said. Yes. King is above you. We're above you. You're down here. We're up here. And I think that's William Wallace going, oh, no, 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 you're not up here. You're down here. I'm sorry, I keep thinking of Be- Kelly Benson. <laughs> <laughs> Real Housewives of New York, Kelly Benson. You're up here. No, she's up here, and Bethany's down here. Yes, that's actually a very accurate interpretation. We should compare Real Housewives to. I apologize. Um, Everything we just always has Bravo reference. Do not apologize. All Bravo, Bravo is and Andy amazing. Cohen. We just did. It's funny no. you bring up that scene though, because that actually I wrote that down as something that made me really mad. For some reason, that William Wallace wasn't getting that like exact revenge, I, and I don't know what it is that I wanted him to do to him. No. But it wasn't the slight like ripping, oh, sorry, cutting of his throat, and then just like gently walking away. Now that like, being this said, guy though, killed the love of your life, but we don't even really know if she was the love of your life because you don't show anything about it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's such a quick love scene that I like. I get she's the love of your life, but is she really? Well, they, I think that they show what more actually after after she dies, exactly. like they show that how Through much that he really thought of her. Yeah, that's true. The handkerchiefs throughout the whole movie. So and the dream try- sequences. Right, so they try to like remind him of what he did lived he- his whole life in her eyes, essentially. Okay, but what did he do in France and Italy? That's what I want to know. Who did he meet well, in France you know, and Italy? And we would have known judge, part two. Judge by... <laughs> Braveheart in Europe. Judging by his ratio of, of women in the movie and the ones he's hooked up with, he's probably did some things. Yeah, you know, we, 100%. Now, while the magistrate got kind of a, a quick death here, all his soldiers did not. And there's a oh very creative assembly of weapons here leading up to okay, this. Okay, I wrote them now, down. Okay, you have them. I, had, okay, I right. had a horn from a goat. There was rocks. There was a swing thing. 
There was a sword. A big a sword. A sword. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> a sword, a mallet. And the, sword, uh, the giant mallet. And the yes. giant mallet when the, the guy was running was away. And the sword was used in multiple ways, too. He also yes. threw it. He kind of used it as a spear. One of my favorites was the mallet because the guy, like, so he runs towards them. He sees William Wallace and his beautiful blue eyes. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so scared. And then he runs away. And then William's like, no, no, no. And it, he's running away. And he throws the mallet, that heavy mallet, <laughs> up against his legs. And I was like, oh, that probably hurts more than just getting your, like, Throw delicately cut, you know. But, yeah. but my Actoring favorite was <laughs> my favorite was the horn. The horns and Nicola, you have a you're holding the uh, a tusk tusks or for yeah. those who don't see me, I'm holding a horn. <laughs> it's like a, a tusk. A, a tusk. I got this tusk. from upstate New York. Yes, this is. Um, I don't know if it's authentic, but it is a deer's horn. Yeah, tusks are it's no. A, the tusk would be an elephant, I think. Yeah, yeah tusk so, is an so, elephant. Yeah, this is yeah. definitely a deer horn. This is definitely and something. Say you about this. Okay, so from... I also have. So one of my friends is from Russia, and she went to Russia, and she got me this. It's essentially a wood piece with um, a spiked ball on the end. So I brought this out on the table so we could talk about the weapons that William Wallace would have used if he lived in Massapequa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, so definitely a creative choice of weapons here, and it was great to see them uh, displayed throughout the table when I got here and set up. Right, also I wrote them down because I was like, oh my god, there's like a million different weapons. It, it kind of makes me wonder between this and then the torture scenes at the end, like, did, does Mel Gibson like secretly want to direct the Saw movie, I think? Like, because he should, he, you could just march through this town and just stab people and then get to the guy, but he has to kill them in such creative ways, whether it's the guy hurling the perfect spear to the chest roadhouse style. Or about the guy falling on, on the, the spike. Uh, on the, the spike, yeah. And I'm watching this and just seeing so many South Park scenes just played over and over because they've spoofed this so many times. Have they really? Uh, oh, yeah. Of violence. It's uh, not yeah. something I, I enjoy watching. Was, right. it was, he went out of his way to be violent. So when yes. we watch on subtitles, like I watched um, The Walking Dead on subtitles, when mm. they have these violent scenes, they they write in the subtitles squelching. So when I'm watching this, <laughs> so when I'm watching squelch, squelch. So when I'm watching this movie, and they did not do that for the subtitles for this movie, but it was like all I heard in my head or was reading, and my head was squelch, squelch, squelch every time someone was. Subtitles have some of the best vocabulary of any anything you'll ever see. Yeah, I love I love the one. This it's a word I've only seen in subtitles in Stephen King novels. Whirring. Where it's like helicopters, helicopter whirring. Or a word, but I like it. Fan whirring. I like, like and, that. And it's a great word, but I only see it in subtitles and Stephen King Let's novels. bring it into everyday vocabulary. That's Squelching it. and whirring. Whirring right along. We, we have now these tribes are all being mobilized here. Yeah. And we're now getting a whole, a whole uh, flurry of, of Scots together to, to take on. And Mick Lee brought up this before, is there's the strategy is in play. And he shows... You know, we're going to make the long spears and we're right. going to flank Right, twice, twice a man. That's one of the funniest parts of the movie. Every yep. guy loves that part. You know, <laughs> My spear Talk. wouldn't be that high. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle's Sadly. spear would be like a seven foot long. Um, yes. We do meet, uh, we do meet Stephen the Irishman here at this yes. point. Now he's going to get out. And I- Irish Fan land. Ireland land. Irish Steve. I, I got a kick out of him. I thought he was a nice jolt to the to the sure. cast in the middle of the movie. It's like, well, I feel like the, the crew needed someone to like, they let's, did. let's pick it up a little bit here. They did. I mean, they had some like random funny parts. Like we were talking about the king before. Had, there's some parts that were like maybe funny. Depends on your type of sense of humor. But they brought Steven in. 
as like the madman from Ireland, yep. Ireland Islands, and I thought that very was very charming of... and redeemable. Yeah, I yeah. fuck with that man, madman. I like hundred <laughs> percent. I fuck with him too. When he first came, I was like, oh, I don't know if I trust him. When I watched it the first time, I was like, I don't know, he seems suspicious. But then within the first like ten minutes, you're yeah, like, we oh. got the, the, the hunting scene with. Oh the, my god! The, I was like, yes. it's so slow motion that scene. I was yep. like, who's killing who? I think they did that on purpose. I was like, who's coming after William Wallace? Is it is it the Irish man, the madman? Or is it that other guy who his wife made some type of delicate velour for him? <laughs> like, that's... That, I was like, oh my God. I was like, Craig, it's the guy that made velour for him that's killing him. <laughs> I want to take this time to talk a little bit about the score. We, I mentioned a little bit with the bagpipes in the beginning. The guy who does the score here does the score of another notable Best Picture Titanic. winner. Titanic. I yes. knew it immediately. You and could I, just tell by the no, style. No, I, I didn't Google it. I yep. swear, I did not Google this oh movie gosh, at all do on I have purpose. To watch this again, just to no. It's so funny. I was telling now. Greg, I was like, I don't want to Google Braveheart at all before we do this podcast because I don't want to have like anyone's opinion. So I did not know that. But while I was watching Braveheart, all I can think about was Titanic. Wow. So that, all yeah, I can so think about was Titanic. Very nice. To me, the music is was such a background in this movie. Like, I, I, and I really like music. Like, I really like music. I listen to music all the time. So background in a good way or in a, in a not in a good way? Uh, not in a good way. Like, yeah. no, it wasn't that the music was bad. I just didn't even pay attention to I it. I didn't notice just... that there was music other than right, the one montage at the end. Okay, so that's good to, that's good to hear that because that's kind of opposite to what I was about to say with it in the sense that, like, I thought there were times here with the music, and I liked the music. In general, I liked the music in this movie. Sure, you there have to have There were moments music. where it kind of interfered a little bit. Like, and that scene with the with the deer and the hunting was one of them where it was just, like, very, like, dun, 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 dun. So when it's we like, do the right, musical... The, the slow motion does the trick here. We don't need... So when yeah. we're doing the musical watch after this and that song comes That's up, right. I'm going to think about all the guys, the actors coming onto the stage in that slow motion. <laughs> but for... But... For you two, you're saying that it didn't interfere. Like, it was kind of just I didn't even there. think about so it. Then, I then knew, the but, but I knew enough that it reminded me of Titanic, so I heard the music. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really think that they needed any more or any less. I think it was just perfect. Obviously, there's background music, but it wasn't notable. So when I did get into my wiki hole later, I was surprised that that was one of their awards. I really was. Yeah, and it didn't 100%. win. It didn't win. But it was nominated. It was nominated, yeah. yes. And uh, another thing about the the composer there is he wrote we talked earlier about some of the best selling singles of all time he actually wrote my heart will go on he wrote the song so that doesn't surprise me yeah i'm wondering how he decided and i'm always curious about this and maybe something i should go into but like when you think about the different scenes and how that guy decided oh this song is perfect for william wallace running through by himself you know with a spear or you know the goat's horn or whatever it is mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how he decides, like, oh, this random rhythmic of, like, like a Scottish whatever it is works for that scene. I don't know. I'm, like, I'm really curious about that. Yeah, I and, and, you know, I think there's a little bit of, of the composer puts together the work. And, and all of the, the score is done with the London Symphony, too. So this was a big production here with it. So I think the director then kind of works with the sound team and the sound editing team as to where to mix the sound effects along with the score and putting, putting everything in there. Usually the director of music is sometimes what that person's called. And then the director oversees the whole kind yeah. of project. The music, the composing, that end of it, I loved. Okay, how that's it was applied. Yeah, how it was applied, I think, is where I might have. There were some. Mo there were just some moments where I'm like, 
I shouldn't be thinking about this right now. I should be watching the movie and getting, you know. But everyone, when they watch a movie, everyone thinks about different things depending on your background. So we were talking about earlier, if like you had a background, say you're Scottish, right? And mm-hmm. your family has deep ties to William Wallace or whatever. You think you're watching a movie from a different Yeah, you're going to be obsessed but with if you're, it. Right? Like I like music in a way that I just, I just like music. You know, I listen to music. But if you're like a music professional or you have an ear for music, you're going to listen to the music throughout the whole thing and not pay attention to other things. So I like that you're bringing that up. Um... I heard the music. I thought it was fine. I just didn't think anything of it. Like, otherwise, you know, when you watch a movie and the lyrics go, like, too perfectly what's going on, it kind of doesn't make sense. I feel like there is a perfect, there's definitely a perfect um, in-between of, like, I'm talking about Southern Charm (laughs) from Bravo. (laughs) Bravo. But they, like, they pair it perfectly with what's going on. It's almost laughable. Uh, mm, (laughs) Exactly. But it's like as someone who has a music background who like really like needs this to be perfect. I, I just otherwise was like, okay, the music works. It's fine. What else could they possibly do for Braveheart? You can't have anything with words. Yeah, no. It just has I appreciated that it was no, just strictly yeah. musical. Yeah, it was just there, but I wouldn't. Or, yeah, we don't need like Creedence Clearwater revival yeah. like, blasting over the oh, city speakers. I love But it's interesting that ACR swamp rock all the way. It's interesting that you found it kind of troubling to have so much suspenseful, obvious, like, pay attention moments, to this in scene. Moments. I appreciated it. Okay, yeah, so that's so... Okay, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, that that, make, that that does make some sense. So I, I think that that stuff, that, like like you're saying, I think that stuff just kind of depends on the viewer a little bit. And it was definitely I, a always, wonderful score. I just didn't why find it nominated. that memorable right. or yeah, yeah, and, and that's, yeah, and that's, that's fair. He's like, I created the perfect Scottish bagpipe music, you know, like music I wish I actually there was more bagpipe, to be honest. Yeah, I, they were not around at the time. I don't time, disagree guys. with that either. It's so I would have enjoyed that. Did part. have that one scene that was saying, like, what are they doing over there? Oh, they're playing outla- outlawed pipes. They're playing an outlawed song, song on outlawed pipes. That was at his father's funeral way back in the beginning of the movie. Okay. I thought that was a big moment. It felt Oh, when it's all like the fire going on. Yeah, the, the problem with the beginning is it's just so scattered. Everything is just like, they're just going to do this, they're going to do this, they're going to do this. And the beginning. Just Let's again. talk about the end, how scattered that was. Yeah, and, and the score is done by James Horner. We mentioned him doing Titanic. He also did another Best Picture winner, A Beautiful Mind. Okay. I don't know if you girls have seen that. Russell Crowe. I Crow. have, but it's been yeah. so long, yeah. Mentioning James Horner and his Oscar-nominated score, John Toll, the cinematographer, won for cinematography in this one. And we talked a little bit in the very beginning about the shots of, of the countryside and all that. The camera work in the battle scenes, too, is really pretty masterful. I mean, whether they went on too long or whatever they did. <laughs> Squelching. I, I, all the squelching. Yeah, and, and I, he, cl- he took out frames at random moments, just random frames, just pulled them out. It kind of gets this jolting feel while you're watching it. You don't even see it. It's because it's just like one single frame, but just like a little piece missing just to kind of pick up the pace a little bit. The fake horses, which apparently were so real that PETA was, <laughs> was going nuts. Thank God they're fake. Um, I was yeah, so I concerned. was concerned too. And he, they were all over him after this movie. I don't know, not PETA, but the... Um, PETA slash Michael Osborne. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> the, well, the animal rights activist. The animal rights activist. Very you know, realistic looking. And yeah, I mean... It, and. I mean, I, I look at this and I'm like, geez, I have to think that a horse probably got hurt somewhere at this point. This is very, very reckless. But uh, apparently took a lot of pride in their being realistic looking fake horses. And he was cleared of everything by by those groups. There's and they're, a word for that. They are very uh, tenacious, too. So they're not like, they're not just oh, the saying like. They don't uh, fuck around. Yeah, no, no. So, uh, yeah, I thought the camera work as a whole was was great. And, and this uh, cinematographer is not, it's not like he's not of note. I mean, again, we talk a lot about cinematography in, in this podcast. And 
we Legends of the Fall just seems to keep coming up. And beat, <laughs> Brad Pitt. It, yeah, right. Oh, it beat uh, it beat Shawshank Redemption for best cinematography that year. But John Toll was the cinematographer on Legends of the Fall. He also did the Thin Red Line, a Best Picture nominee. He did Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. Tropic Thunder, also with Tom Cruise. He did that one. Almost Famous. That's got to be a Mikula movie, right? That is yes. one of my favorite movies <laughs> of all time. I, I actually, it, one of the I talk about like how dudes put on like Braveheart in the background. If it's on, if, if Almost Famous is on, I'll just put it on the background. That's awesome. a good soundtrack. 100%. I love that movie. Yes. I really do. You don't have to think too much about it, but it's a classic movie. Also was a cinematographer on the pilot of Breaking Bad. Not okay, very... Breaking Bad is like one of my favorite TV shows. Yeah, of all so time. he was uh, he filmed that too. So is it the guy? Okay. Guy knows how to work a camera. Yeah, I saw. I noticed that one of the war scenes, like he did a lot of like pinpointing on people, mm-hmm. but there was one scene in particular that I can't get in my head of this like blonde young kid crawling out of like dead bodies. Like, I don't remember if you remember that. Yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah, he had a shaved head and he was like crawling out for something. Yeah, this that... is later on. Robert the Bruce is kind of yeah, like scene, a little bit right? later on, and I'm like, oh, there's some scenes that I just I, I couldn't get out of my head, you know. I think as far as battle scenes go, this is tops. You know, right. in, in any war movies of any era, you know, even with you know, I've Saving Private Ryan's one I always go back to that opening scene of them storming the beach. We talked about Platoon last week, but I just, I think Braveheart as far as like getting, capturing an era and, and just getting, getting that war side view, I just thought it was really Yeah, and building. I like that there's a couple of different war scenes, you know, so mm-hmm. you have the first one and then you have the one. There's no the shortage. Third. There's definitely no there's shortage. There's no shortage. I know <laughs> all I, I, the war scenes. Yes. I, I know <laughs> war scenes. You know war yes. scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't mind, like I, I talked before about like, I wish the movie was shorter now, like as I'm talking it through, I think. The war scenes were all so different. Like, I think it was the second one or the third one where they're storming the castle with that yeah. man-made fire pistol thing. I, and I the don't tar. Know, and the, the, tar. the tar. I was yeah. like, what are they throwing on them? That black oil. So yeah. I assumed that they're being tarred and feathered, but the feathers never came. No, no. Fire came. <laughs> fire came. <laughs> the fire yeah. took so they were all different, different types of war scenes. The war scenes were not my jam that said give Mm -hmm. credit where credit's due well done and to think that it is from that time without the technology absolutely impressive so would not take that credit away from them yeah for sure well done we talked in the very beginning a little bit about robert the bruce we kind of get introduced to him and this is the the nobles are kind of like the other section of this movie where they're they're just pontificating and where do we join in the battle who do we join in with where do we where do we hop in and we get his uh, his father, who's in his ear the whole movie, the leper. He's the most disgusting person of the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, just a little bit more offensive than the, oh, the dirt oh, everywhere else. Yeah, I know. Oh my Mikola, God. you are not a fan of the leper. No, I know. I mean, I, listen. Okay. I have a lot of, I, I, I have a lot, but I don't have a lot of feelings about this. So, I, I mean, physically, I don't want to look at him, you know, put a paper bag over his head. We don't, we don't need that. So you wanted him with just a paper bag sitting yeah. there giving advice, <laughs> from, giving advice to like a wall-bound so grocery bag. Yeah, I was like, wondering. Like, the actual... Uh, but, but him and Longchamps. Earl like, of Bruce. Is it Longchamps? Longchamps? Longchamps. Longchamps. Him and Longchamps are both like dying, per se. These two old guys dying. One was dying ugly. And one was dying just by coughing. But Internally ugly. His probably lungs probably look like the other guy's face. Right? So... First of all, I hated looking at that guy, and I hated him from the get-go just because he, I feel like Mel Gibson wanted you just to hate him because the way that he looks, unfortunately. Um, I felt, I felt bad for DeBruce, to be honest with you. I feel like, 
you know, I get where his dad was coming from and I get where he was coming from. Like he, he wants you to be the, the ruler of the land. Like I, I struggled with that a little bit. Like I wanted to hate to Bruce. He was so flippy floppy, mm-hmm. but I also felt bad for him because, you know, obviously he respected his dad in the beginning and he's like, you know what? I do want to, he's like, I get it. Like, I do want to be like ruler of the land. Of course I want to be ruler of the land. This is what I need to do. And then his like heart came into action. Oh, God forbid. You know, like yeah. the heart came into action. Did and he then... respect him though? Or did he fear him? Did, did who respect him? Uh, Robert Jr. Did he, so did he respect his father or did he fear him? Or did he fear him? Always fear. Back in the day, I feel like it's always yeah. fear. You I think... Very didn't they always like, beat I feel like the fear dad always... Fear is an interesting just... way to put that. It's his, it's his father. His father who's grooming him for this position where he's going to rule. And I think that naturally growing into that, you're going to go the way you've been led. And I think his father is leading him a certain way. He gets to a junction in this movie where now he's not going to listen to his father anymore. And I think he says plainly, my hate dies with you. Yes. You know, so he learns that this, but I do think that the, the trouble is in, you're raised a certain way and your family believes a certain way and you are brought into that. And the rulers of your time or the people of your position that have come before you and are your peers as you go are acting a certain way. And there is a level of professional politics to doing that job. He's a, he's a leader that has to make tough decisions. And some of those decisions are, who do I support in this battle? Whose corner am I going to be in and who's going to be in my corner? And trying to figure out it works. Whereas a William Wallace is very plain and simple. I am going this way. There are no, there's no negotiating. When they, when the, the nobles they, they go to talk terms, different. like yeah. we're going to talk terms. And he's just dancing around him with his horse, like a weaving in and out of them oh, while they're talking I, terms. Here's you, your term. You can, you can tell your, you know, you tell your king to kiss my ass. Dancing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Follow those terms. And then he'll have to bend over and kiss his own ass. And then, and then we're good. So I mean, he, his he's own one arse. dimension. There are on his arse, stress, arse, his own arse. <laughs> there, there are, there is no negotiation. This is how I believe. This is how I am. He's convicted. He's fully 100% convicted. This being William Wallace. Now that's problematic as well. I and, agree. Yes. yes. And he runs himself that. into his own problems. Just like the king who is just committed to just being this dastardly villain is, you know, he has his own issues too. So I think Robert the Bruce then becomes the most interesting character. It's where do you fall? And it's easy to say, I'm just going to follow my heart and I'm just going to believe in freedom and doing what's right all the time. But is William Wallace really doing what's right all the time? No. Like, no, of course not. Because he's just going with his own personal. That's I it. see that as a character flaw. Actually, yeah, I don't. I, mean, I, I think the male bravado, the stubbornness, maybe could be conflated with immaturity. Like who knows? However, kind of got what was coming. To yeah, him there's a the hard end. on the sleeve factor there too, and I think that one of the moments that really highlights it is when Robert the Bruce and him kind of shake hands, like, "All right, I'm your boy. Like I got your back. You got my word." And then he tackles. The scene happens. The betrayal oh happens. Tackles him to the ground, pulls off the mask, and sees him. And that's the only moment in this movie where you really see William Wallace shook. Going back, that goes Even, back to the romance thing. Like I had, I did not. You know, I know he was crying, quote unquote, during her funeral, Moran's funeral, but he wasn't. The only time I saw a tear in Mel Gibson slash William Wallace's eyes was that moment. The only time that because, and where did that come time. from? Well, because because and this is how I interpret it is. As bizarre as it sounds, the death of his wife made sense to him because it's them versus us. 
and we're on this side and they're on that side. The Robert the Bruce betrayal was, that's not a them versus us. That's Scott this is Scottish. us versus yeah. us. He, he had my word. Like we're, we're, we're one. We're together. There's a, and all, all William Wallace sees is his cause and his brothers fighting for his cause. It's why when he gives the famous freedom speech... And they're all like, eh, maybe we don't want to do this. Let's head back and, you know, the, the hut sounds yeah. pretty good. Let's chill in the hut. I hate that yeah. part because they all show up and then they decide. The I know. It's like, oh, that, you that, made it all the way here. They do it all the time. But, you know, they have a little uh, little, little wet feet on, on game game day, right, before they got the kickoff. But he gives the speech and goes, no, no, we're here. Like, you know, we all live lives. Some people die now. Some people die later. But how do you want to live? And they're all in with him. And Robert the Bruce gave his word. That's the moment where he goes, Wow. These guys are playing games within the games, and he doesn't play that way, and that's where he's he's really really broken. And I it feels inconsistent with the way that the character was presented to me, or at least the way that I saw it. It in is that he's so William is supposed to have this sort of second sense or sixth sense rather uh, premonition. He knows when he's walking into a trap, or that's what right. people keep they saying say about him. Mm-hmm. How does he not see this coming, or at least the possibility of it happening? I look at it as a dog who trusts his owner will always trust his owner. And then a moment when the owner turns on him, the dog can't understand it. And that's where William Wallace is as he does. He can't process the, because that doesn't, that doesn't fit within his game plan. Yes, he is a strategist. And yes, he has that, that sixth sense about battle, but he doesn't have the sixth sense about humanity. He doesn't understand his fellow man. He, his, his fellow man is just meant to follow his courage. But Robert showed him who he was, even through his doubts, not in a, a deceiving type of way or deceptive type of way, but rather he was truly like torn and vocal about it and more of a pragmatic type of person. And he didn't really want to offend anyone. Which is not a leader, but that's mm-hmm. a sidebar. That's what he says. He said they're so not going to follow. Not know that? They don't. People don't follow your position. They follow your courage. And if you're just going to play the game to get to your position, they're not going to follow you. It, and just like in the end, even when he is in the right side of things, after William Wallace has died, and he tries to give the speech, and the guys are looking at him like, oh, "Who's this?" And I think Danielle, where you say that that it's inconsistent with the character, is I view that as that's the point, is that. His consistencies are thrown off by, by Robert the Bruce's actions because Robert the Bruce gets there eventually. The end of the movie, he is fighting for the cause, and he always was. He has it in his heart. And William Wallace saw his heart, but he didn't see all the interference that got in the way. And that's ultimately what did him in. Oh, I feel because bad the second time, because he believes him twice, yes. and the second time, Robert the Bruce was being genuine, but it didn't matter because he was in too deep. And, and I think it's the old, the old kind of phrase where you, you live your life a certain way. You follow a path. And the second that you kind of decide to go off the path and into the woods, you might still get where you're going, but there's a good chance you're going to get lost too. And I think Robert the Bruce gets lost along that path. And whether he finds himself out of the woods ultimately or not, straying from that path costs him a lot. And it costs William oh. Wallace even more. I mean, he's a key character then, Robert the Bruce. Yeah. He's yes. the reason. Yeah. He's like literally the reason why William Wallace was like going to get tortured <laughs> towards yeah. the end. It's because of him. If Mel could have shared a bit of more screen time with him, That's I would like to see more character <laughs> development. A hundred percent. He was compelling. He was handsome. Robert the Bruce... Uh, Portrayed by Angus McFadden, 
who also was in, uh, we brought up Saw once already, he's in Saw 3. I don't know, girls, how So I've never seen movies? any of the Saw movies I'm on purpose. Like the play. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, exactly, on purpose. They're not like, necess- tonight's the night. <laughs> <laughs> they're not necessarily any more violent than this movie. So really? No. You I'm, kind of just watched like a Saw prequel, basically, no, for this, I think. Really? It's like the you know? slow torture. I thought I thought Saw was like the slow torture. Yeah, I guess torture. it's a little slower. But yeah, so uh, Angus McFadden's in, is in Saw 3, and we talked about uh, in Crash. The girls seen Crash? Yes. Before. I have okay. seen Crash. One of those so the daughter of the shop owner is also in Saw 3. So we're getting all the Saw 3 characters strewn across so the best picture So do we need winners. to watch Saw? I would say this. And I already made you just watch Braveheart. So like, you know, I'm, I'm already, I got strikes against me as it is. <laughs> I would say the first Saw is worth watching. The sequels kind of play into the genre a little bit and start to get a little bit... You know, we're just trying to throw violence over violence. I think the first Saw is a psychological thriller. There's moments that are a little cringy, and if if you have sure. a if you have a, a weak a, stomach, I'm gonna pass yeah. on that. I'm I'm still and, traumatized from early Freddy Krueger. No <laughs> yeah. See, I would I I like any movie that gets like decent reviews. Well, like I'm not I I would watch Marvel movies. Like I don't care if it gets good reviews, I'll watch it. Did the first Saw movie get good reviews? Like good reviews it, meaning like. It, it has been remembered so. Initially, it well, did I not. Well, I know. Saw is like a pop culture thing, right? It, initially, so, it did not. It, I so think it's like 49% on Rotten Tomatoes from the initial critics. Okay. But, but it's kind of looked back and remembered. The original one is remember, remembered a little better. Now, Michael, you just recently watched all the Finchers with, with us? Yeah, I watched all the Finchers. Okay, so how did you feel about Seven? Oh my god, I oh, loved I like it. Seven. Oh my god, I love that that's movie. That's more of a psychological thriller. Well, that's kind of what Saw is. Okay. Yeah, there's not a ton of then I'll retract my previous. The first. Well, again, don't, don't, you're gonna watch it and be like, "What the hell did you have me watch no, this for?" No, so, I know we watched Braveheart, right? So and I can watch anything now. I can watch any. I can watch anything now. We graduated. We watched the Fingers and the Quentin Tarantino movies, which has been really fun. And, well, and Quinn's funny Tarantino, violent too. but he's so violent. Very violent. Oh, yeah. I don't know. So oh, you're I, I think, okay, so what I'm getting out of this, system. what I'm getting out of this is, Mikola, you'll probably enjoy the original Saw. Danielle, probably don't watch it. Like, because yeah. uh, it's, it's the it's, psychological violence and the physical violence mixed together. You so. mean on the projector, it wouldn't be as a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Might scare people. People driving that. by, they're like, what are you doing? I want to talk a little about some of the other characters in this one, some of the fringe guys. Brendan Gleeson as Hamish. What do, we, what do we think of him? Love him. Love him. Love him. I mean, I, we always love a good, like, you know, burly, <laughs> overweight friend of the main character. A brute. A true bro. Yeah, like, sweet. And I love that they, like, for some reason, throwing rocks, like, keeps standing out to me throughout the whole movie. They, like, threw rocks. And then when Mel Gibson came back, slash William Wallace, and he looked, like, a million years older, and, it, and like... I guess Hamish didn't really recognize him right away. And then they started like throwing rocks like, oh, that's my bro. <laughs> I think it was after he punched him. He's like, oh, that's my boy. Oh, but it was so crazy. So they were like, he, they're competing in this rock concert where they yeah. throw, yeah, like, <laughs> where they're throwing Real headbanger. Oh, uh, yes, I love yes. at the wedding. I was like, oh, that's so Mel Gibson pounding his own chest. You I know, really right? wanted him to get with Princess Isabella's uh, escort, like first lady, whatever. Yeah, she's hot. Was she's hot. Beautiful, and they they had eyes. Oh, they, they, did. Exchanged, they, they exchanged looks. Well, I don't think there was a woman on set that Mel Gibson didn't make sure he had eyes with. So no, <laughs> the no, camera was no, rolling. Hamish, Hamish, oh, and they're yeah. 
Hamish to get a little. I love their relationship, like the French queen and her little like gossip queen. Like they were friends, right? Absolutely. And the gossip girl, like she loved Hamish. Really people in the War like, Council. She was resourceful, yep. beautiful. Yeah, she was a good character. And it goes back to the whole theme as like a lot of the characters in the movie were really thin. Like I would have loved to see a little bit more Hamish with the French, what what is she called? Like us, like her. I think they called her an escort. An escort. Oh, really? I think okay. it was like I think it just meant like the right, the like page. Her, of, yeah. yeah, she was. A, yeah, a she was the kind of, not like a the princess's right escort. hand. Yeah, she's yeah. just the right. But the right who hand doesn't person. like Hamish? You know, you always. He's love very likable character. Very yeah. likable. character. And Brendan Gleeson's likable in everything he's in. Have you have you girls so seen um, Twenty Eight Days Later? Yeah, you seen that one? He's the the dad. Really? Of the of the daughter, you know, when they meet up with them. I mean, he's got to be up there in years now. Yeah. Uh, Brendan Gleeson's in, in Bruges with Colin Farrell. I don't know if you've seen that one. That's a, a great one. When are we talking about Colin Farrell? Uh, I mean, hey, we're just, <laughs> we are right now. Uh, he's in Troy, too, also with Brian Cox. And that one, uh, no, Troy? Can make it no? to that one. Sorry. Uh, that's a, I think that's a little more. A little more for, Cold Mountain? No. And that one, too. But, but, yeah, I but really I, 28 like, Days Later, I think, would be the big one. Paddington, too? No. no oh my god! No, I didn't watch Paddington One. one. It's I so didn't cute. watch it. Um, I really do like Cartoon Bears. Watch it with your nieces and nephews. It is the I most should, adorable should. movie. It's very I, tolerable for adults. I feel like it's great to have a main character with his like best friends, you know. And I love that relationship that we saw that from beginning all the way, all the way to the end. And also, it involved Hamish's dad. Just, oh, I love their... Yeah, I actually. love it. And we haven't talked about him at all. Stubborn yes. son of a gun. He was a real, like, salt-of-the-earth guy. Love the, the whole taking the arrow and, you know, they have to oh, dip the sword in the fire and get it oh, going. Oh, my God, his hand got chopped off, I think, at one point towards the end. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> wasting like, that yeah. good whiskey. <laughs> yes. Gangs in New York is in that one, too. Is, uh, Hamish is in that one, too. I see, so I need to rewatch all these. I mean... Yeah. I've seen Gangs, but it's been a while. I have yeah, so seen Braveheart. I've seen these movies. It's just been so long. That's a tough one. Too. I think we're in the kind of era where movies. I love Not Harry Potter. Right, well, I actually love Harry he's Potter. He's Alistair Moody in, in uh, The Goblet of Fire. So yeah. Greg and I just watched, um, among quarantine movies, we watched all the Harry Potter movies. And I loved, loved, loved them. Then we started Lord of the Rings, and I like them as much. Well, for all the Harry Potter heads out there, Four characters from Braveheart are in the Harry Potter movies. Brennan really? Gleeson. Brennan Gleeson, Michael Byrne, Peter Mullen, and David O'Hara, who plays Steve the Irishman. And there's actually a scene where all four of them are on screen together. You're kidding yes. me. So I'm not, I've never seen a Harry Potter movie in my life, never read a book. You've got to post that to Twitter. That's, uh, yeah, that's not uh, not my area of expertise, but you know, there you go. There's your I Harry really, Potter connection. I really, really liked Harry Potter movies. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I think I we watched all of them, and I, I fell in love with them. That's so you, Grant C., and Chris G. can do a little side uh Yeah, side maybe. On, maybe. On I thought Potter. it was there so cool. I mean, I really like them. So I feel like we really need to talk more about William's late wife, Marin. And Marin, we'll go Marin with the pronunciation. Who knows exactly what it is? We'll just do Marin. I, 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 Marin's easier for me right now. And believe it or not, her, the real, again, the history and all that, the real life character's name was Marion. Really? But they changed it because they didn't want the Robin Hood confusion. Like, they didn't want people to, like, associate her with Maid Marian from Robin Hood and think that it might be the same person or that. So they just, like, switched the name because that Marian is associated with, with another Without doing any time. research, I don't know what else she's been in, but she might be the most beautiful person beautiful. I've ever Very seen beautiful. in my life. Like, Girl Next Door also 
just hot. Like, she's a really good-looking person. I'd love to see, like, the script for it and how the screenwriter depicted her. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, because I, I feel f- like she really was a certain archetype for a character, like, innocent and pure, but... And she did a great job of acting without saying anything. All you know, we're just eyes. just visually. Like, she was on screen. She had a presence. Great scene in the rain. William Wallace is trying to get her to ride on the horse with her, and it's pouring out. And they're I like, know, oh, you're not going out in there. And uh, I miss the days when guys used to pick me up on their horse. They used to have them, <laughs> like, when, when men used to court me. Pride, That's right. And, and mom and dad are like, you're not getting on that horse. You're and not- they're like, all right, mom, what's that over there? <laughs> Hop on the horse. They're like, you're not getting on this horse, let alone in the rain. I was like, oh. <laughs> Oh my god and she but, hopped on that horse so wow wouldn't like, so you quickly. if you were young and in love like you don't care like I mean, well, in Poor terms rain, of like, getting, getting on, on the actual horse, horse to be honest my home. actual thought watching that scene when she hopped on the horse and I was like oh cute they're in love I was like does William have stirrups like I feel like they had gear to get up because she must have like had to mount in a certain way. <laughs> really, that actually was really like very much on my mind. That. Yeah, they could get up there. These Do you days, remember the scene had ups. after they got married and she's like gallivanting through the farmer's market slash just like whatever they had in their town? And then William Wallace is like kind of like they're trying to make a like, romantic yeah exactly it was creepy like he's kind of like peeking at her and he's like I, he's like she doesn't know that she's looking at me and she's like looking at her gourds or like whatever they like sell back in the day in Scotland like haggis and she's like so excited about the haggis and then he's kind of like peeking on the corner and like looking at her it felt creepy and weird to me but they had to hide the fact that they were married but she she was very she's not in the movie for a long period of time she's a very beautiful actress and I wish they showed I've said this before their love develop a little bit more than what it what it had I Again, found I said, her to be so convincing though you know, I agree. She did really good with what she had to totally, work with. Totally it was agree. impactful and, for in me. In terms of falling in love, like seeing William Wallace from across the way coming back. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, um, Catherine McCormick is the actress. She, I thought she did a, a killer job. And I think, Danielle, you said that perfectly. Made the most of what she was given. Because she wasn't given a huge role. Even when she appears later in the movie, it's dream sequences and she's right. not really doing a lot of talking. Her presence is there for this right. whole movie, though. And, and when they call William Wallace out, a little later on, they're like, well, you're just doing this because you think she's watching you. To, to Hamish, she responds, well, you know, your father's watching you. One of the themes of this movie, one of the points of this movie is, you don't just live how it makes sense to you. You live how, the, how your loved ones who are no longer here, how they would want you to live and how, the, and how they, what, the reflection that they have upon you. And whether that's actual, like, if we're getting into, like, the spiritual end of things, if they're actually looking down on you where they, they kind of literally say in this movie, like, they're watching you. Or his dad is not there anymore yet. Whether his dad is watching him or not, he's still part of his blood. And he's still part of how he was raised what and how he was brought learned. up. And how he taught yeah. him how to battle. So every sword you throw out there, every word that comes out of your mouth is a reflection of the father. And in Mel Gibson's heart is, is you know, Catherine McCormick's character, too, is in there, too. Marin. So I think that that's a big thing here too is do you live your life based on the people you love and what you love and how they've reflected upon you or are you just trying to better yourself 
along the system. I didn't feel I her throughout the movie, though. I didn't feel, I, besides with the handkerchief, I didn't feel her throughout the movie. Did you feel like that was a bit, like, contrived? I don't know. I it just showed up a lot. I know. I, they showed the handkerchief, but I, like, did not feel, like, I, I said this again, romance throughout anything in that movie. Yeah. Like, at all. Besides with that one so handkerchief. So they, fa- they failed in that sense for you. I think so. Yeah. yeah I didn't feel any, I think, I, I I think did. they failed because the, the, the building of the romance and their relationship failed so much, so I did not feel their relationship throughout any of the movie at all uh, for me the the scene at the funeral in the very beginning with the kid and the fact that he kept that flower all that time that the left kerchief? An, he kept the flower i didn't know the, yeah. yeah he kept the flower that oh, he received okay. yeah. that part resonated with me whereas okay. uh, this this kid his whole life in his darkest moment this was the person that came up to him and this is what she gave him. And here, this As is what I have kid, now. This... Yeah, and he, and he held it with his whole life. And that's what he says, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I loved you. I always have. You know, that's, that's spoofed in baseball. <laughs> I know. Spoofed in, base, spoofed no, in basketball. Well, it's spoofed, I know it more through basketball. Like, I, okay, I, I, that, the South Park guys again. Look, but, had they um, not yeah. established that history between them, and had we not known, at least on his end, that he had been pining, plan, presumably planning to go back to the village when he was ready to, like, settle down and marry her... I would have called bullshit, you yeah. know, just based on the actual yeah. screen and, time. And I think, too, if the beginning was paced better, that would have had more of an impact. Okay, so now I think it's time to talk about King Edward and Prince Edward and this whole dynamic going on here. We've hinted at it a little bit. This is a portrayal that definitely got old Melly into some heat here. So he, the son's gay. Right, he's portrayed as gay. They, they kind of hint at it, Within not the so first subtly. Couple of seconds, yeah, yeah. they're well, they're getting married. There's a lot of side eye going on in the wedding. There going on, and King Edward, I think, does a Clint Eastwood face at one point. Does the Rrr. yeah. Mel Gibson got some heat for the old window scene. What were your reactions to the to the window scene? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just put it this way. So it's said that Mel Gibson said he was surprised to hear that people laughed when that. You know, when that scene went down. Yeah, I think I was among one of those I people. I laughed. I'm sorry. Like, it had it nothing to do funny. with... It's not like... Yeah, I mean, he, he could have thrown a male, female, heterosexual, homosexual. It was just kind of funny. Like, hey, hey, come here one second. Let me just touch your... Get out the window! You know, I like, felt the same way. I, I kind of laughed a I, I burst out laughing a little bit. So, he yeah. was truly annoying. My, my question... Oh, brutal. Just... It had nothing to do with him being gay. There's right? enough stuff in the movie. What's another... Yeah, I mean, it's, he was just a Brad or Chad that needed to get tossed out the window. It's just kind of had nothing to do with his, his sexual preference. Uh, although I'm sure maybe King Edward felt differently. Do you think that that's a homophobic scene? No. I don't either. No. And, and, and no. he did No, and I'm highly critical of, of Armel, but no, I don't. No, yeah, not at I mean, all. I think, like, let's look at it this way. I mean, they had the most evil character in the entire movie perform that act like if if William Wallace threw him out the window that would probably yeah, be a little we homophobic I don't think I mean we obviously know that he didn't love the fact that his son was like gay right like I obviously do we know that though yeah I mean uh, almost like to work yes we it. do we do know. I I we I I don't think he accepted him it wasn't well he definitely didn't, he worked didn't around accept it. it he worked around it and it's never confronted I think maybe he it's might never... have turned the blind eye to it but I don't think that he was completely oblivious to it. Like I think No, he that, wasn't. Yeah. Oh, he, he absolutely he, knew. You see him look at his son who looks at his lover. Yeah. Yeah. So you they, they he knows and then he makes comments like that the other army, like if they saw his son, that they would 
destroy them. Obliterate them. Yeah, obliterate them. Yeah, yeah like, right. Yeah. Which is like a funny part of the movie. They take over the whole country. Right. Well, at right. the wedding with Prince Edward and the future Princess of Wales, uh, Isabella, or Isabel, uh, it's it's very much stated, right? Yeah. That it's very doubtful that his son will successfully give his wife an heir, and that whole problem. Yeah, it doesn't even sound. Yeah, it sound like... with his lover, presumably. Yeah, so I thought it was not even implicit. consummating the marriage. Basically, he's not yeah. even. Yeah, I think he was just pretending. mad at his son's lover to begin with. That's yeah. why he threw him out the window. He was I'm... annoying as a human. I don't really remember his son's. Like, sit if you're out there just being annoying. I just, just always there. You know, him talking up in that moment where they, they have the guy from York's head in the box. You know, two two movies in that year. Seven's this year, too. Two movies where we get a head <laughs> in the box in the, in the movie. What's in the box? In the box, yes. What's in the box? Shout out. Is it Gwyneth Paltrow? No, no, it's the King of York. And the, what's up with that guy's eyeshadow, too? The, the, that character who got his head cut off there, just the big bags under the eyes. Yeah, I mean, the makeup artist, obviously. Like, Fat how do you make this guy? Makeup. Dead as possible. That's what I thought too, Nicola. But then I looked up the actor. <laughs> That's what he looks like. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I, said, yeah. I, said, I was watching with my roommate. I'm like, oh boy, they really wanted you to recognize this guy's face here because they're going to pull it out of a box. Look, Mel yeah. is a co-producer. Look at the makeup. But like, again, yeah, no, the guy is just. It's kind of like. Are, are you guys lost, people? I so, watch Lost. Do you know this? So Greg and I just started rewatching Lost, and we're on okay. season three right now. Is it fun to rewatch? Well, oh, it's it's better on the rewatch. One, on I watch it yeah. real time. So oh yeah, I, I rewatch. Remember anything? Rewatch. Run I it will back. tell you from my Done. personality. I mean, whatever. Everything's better on the rewatch because I can't pay attention the first time. Uh, Especially, but we also haven't watched Lost since we were two thousand four. Yeah, when you get yeah. It's been a while. Especially if it's good. You know, yeah, so yeah, right? so if it's good. if it's good, then you pick out the little details. But I don't like the remember wire and, a lot of it. The wire. Yeah, the wire. Don't the re- get me started on the well, wire. Well, the, the the rewatch of the wire is way I way better. I haven't rewatched oh, the wire God. yet. I watched the first one. My husband's gonna be so jealous. He's been trying to get into it. Then I kind of the wire into season two, and I've been waiting. Yeah, gotta the fight wire. through. Gotta fight through. Yeah, yeah you gotta, gotta fight through. through it. But but going going to lost the Richard Alper character. Yeah, he has like that the eyeshadow on his. On his eyelids. Really? You know, but no, it's not. That's just what he looks like. But it looks like he's wearing eyeshadow. And you see him in our movie. I think he's in the Batman movies, too. I could too. recommend a color corrector. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, you have the king there and, and this, his son's... What did he call him? He, he, this is my... Uh, I don't like his chief of staff. Yeah, right. It's oh, his right-hand yeah, man. It's his right-hand man, literally. He's a guy just appointed uh, him the chief of staff yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. And, and I love the king goes, who is this man who thinks that he, he knows. can speak to me. <laughs> yeah, just but he, and he's doesn't met, make eye contact with him. And he's met him before, so he clearly yeah, knows who yeah. he is. It's not, it's not accepted to Thanksgiving. He's what not, not welcome at Thanksgiving. Too. to do like the outfit scene? Maybe like to Wait, nitpick a tiny bit. Where they're bit. like going the fashion. Yeah, yes. well, well, that's when, where it starts to get. Scene. When the prince and his lover, whose name I just truly don't know. So I if he has a name, I'm happy to use it, but... They're like shopping, or they're yeah, getting little, like their seamstresses made them clothes, and it's like fine silk and or whatever. For they have some back reason, then. I don't remember this. Little stereotypical, little it like a hundred percent unnecessary. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like that's kind of like Mel Gibson's perspective of gay people. Like that's kind of what goes I on. I think so that. too. Like, but I was so funny. I was going to mention how much I love the outfits. I, I have them trying on dresses outside. or something. Just have them trying on dresses, right? Oh, I'm going to go back to the battle scene. Right, like they could have just worn that. Right, they are royals, they have money and all the decadence and everything, but they made a point to make a point (laughs) about the outfits and perhaps it was that he wasn't 
doing his duty as a king to be, but that's not what that was. Yeah. My perspective and my impression of the throwing out the window, I didn't get the homophobia there because I think that that character was shown as 100% irredeemable evil the whole way through. I mean, you know, Mel Gibson, who got himself into trouble with some homophobic comments before this, I think they were probably ready to pounce on him when you have a gay character and they haven't been thrown out a window. Maybe they're looking at it that way. But I thought within the context of the movie, and I think he repaired some of those relationships a, a couple years after Braveheart came out, never apologized for the scene, but I don't really see much to apologize for with that scene because it makes it made sense within the world. There's nothing to apologize for. They did it in Game of Thrones and it was equally as funny and shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I stand by it. (laughs) As Daniel throws me out of the window. (laughs) (laughs) So the king is now going to send Princess Isabel off. He's like, I have the perfect person. And you don't know who that is. You're like, who is he talking about? Yeah, yeah. he's least likely to kill her. And if he does kill her, then so what? You know, I am the king. I'm prepared for everything. This is what a king does. Politically, then France would definitely avenge. Yeah, he was always always thinking, always thinking that that evil king. I liked her so much. You were so yeah. We haven't talked much about that actress at all or or into that. That's uh, Sophie uh, Marcel. Is she actually French? She is. Yes, actually French. Oui. Oui, oui. Oui. What did you think about that about that performance? I thought that there was definitely an undertone whether it was unintentional, which it probably was, of like really powerful women in this movie, especially uh, William's counterpart. So his first, well, his wife, his late wife, I thought was very powerful in how she fought off her, you know, potential rapist in contrast with the other woman that just submitted. No judgment there, but she fought like hell. She was tough, she was independent, and Princess Isabel was like a more progressive version of that. I I 100% agree. I was thinking the same exact thing, where like, she's the only one that actually had character development. Like, she was like, she got married, right, to this guy, and she was like very like scared and nervous. All of a sudden, she sleeps with William Wallace, and became like a badass bitch. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they, they kind of went out of their way to say that these two ain't having a kid. And no, I like, know, and they, but they don't like. Like, yeah. I just want to know. Is that her? First? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she dabbled in France. She could have dabbled in but, France. But then too. after she slept with him, she was like, she like went to visit him. Like she went to go visit him, uh, William Wallace, in jail, and she talked to the guard. And she was like, I'm gonna be the next ruler because either like my husband's like a weakling. And my father-in-law is going to die. So yeah. what do you want me to she do? She did wind up being a, a, a queen regent and asserting her firstborn, Edward III, in actual real life for a really? little bit. Yes. So I thought that was actually more accurate. I mean, the timeline did not match sure. up. Right. But the inspiration seemed to be more accurate. So then if they would have made a fictional character up because the timelines didn't match then they wouldn't be giving any credence to the real-life character. So maybe by inserting her in this movie, that at least draws some attention toward the real-life, strong, powerful leader that that Princess Isabel ended up becoming. You know, so it didn't necessarily match up historically, but it gave her some props, at least. 
I thought you know, her character, both uh, fictitiously and in real life, was uh, admirable, and I, she was my favorite. Wow, uh, cool. All right, so going into this, I kind of thought I was going to be getting another one of these where there's just a million dudes in the movie, and there's no women, and there's, I'm going to kind of be defending this one, because three of my favorite movies of all time, you know, whatever, wherever they film the list, my favorite movie of all time, and then two of the others, uh, Shawshank Redemption, mm -hmm. Love that movie. Saving Private Ryan, and Lawrence of Arabia, all three of those movies, if they're criticized, it's not for their movie making, it's for their lack of female roles, where there's really sure. very few. And, you know, same part of Ryan, it's a little bit of pass, it's mostly on the World it's War II battlefield. Like, yeah, sure. right. yeah. Same, you know, Lawrence Arabia, World War One, Shawshank in a prison. But my question is for you guys, and, and it seems like, as far as Braveheart goes, is you're pretty happy with the portrayal of women within the movie, even though there weren't many, the ones that were, it's just the three characters, you seem to like all three of them. Absolutely, especially yeah. in the context of the time. So my question to you is, is, if there's a movie that doesn't have any women in it, does that affect your viewing of it? No. No, not at all. It's about the portrayal or yeah. the conversation around women, etc. Even though there's a bit of, you know, like, bullshit locker room talk, it was not offensive. Yeah. Yeah. We saw, we saw more male nudity than female. <laughs> uh, yeah. Unintended, true. likely, but kind of noticed, at least... In 2021, that was appreciated. I mean, Mikola, how often do you see full frontal? Never. Man or woman? Man. <laughs> not <laughs> often. Both, but definitely male. Not often. Not like, often. I don't know I, another but I don't time in a mainstream movie. <laughs> I don't yeah. No, no, I didn't enjoy it. No, I know. I'm, but no, I, mean, I was I shocked I mean, that was they fine. allowed that and it got an R and not a, a more severe rating. Well, that's interesting that you bring that up, Danielle, because this movie was flirting with NC-17. Really? Yes, it was. I and he, they had to go back and recut it. Not because of the nudity, though, because of the... Aggressive violence. violence, particularly in the end when he's being tortured. I mean, Mel Gibson had them show everything, like him being disemboweled and his really? guts coming out. I didn't know that. They only had it from the head up, as far as I saw. I, I didn't know that. I really appreciated that we did not have to see <laughs> I agree, but why? Yeah, that wasn't necessary. Yeah, it was originally filmed. I did not know that. Yeah, with him being disemboweled. Wait, and I think probably heard. Like the whole bit. Yeah. Ugh. Yep. Not, you know, I don't know about his his naughty bits, but, you know, but no, like no, his no. stomach. Like they, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They dismembered him. Yep. Oh, yeah. And all that was shown. And then I think probably uh, Marin's throat getting slit was probably in there. And there was way more battlefield violence. Well, we saw Marin's throat getting slit. Well, they don't they don't it show the subtle, knife. Though. They don't show the knife going across oh, the throat. Really? Yeah, he just does it. They oh. show he also dies super quickly. There's no gargling or, you know. She looks like, around and then she just uh, lied. Movie trope. Kind of a movie yeah, trope. Yeah, beautifully like the, dies. Uh, yeah, I like when the, in, in like westerns and stuff when I get shot in the stomach and he's just dead. Yeah, it's like oh no, like when you get shot in the stomach, like you you have like a sixty minute period of dying in agony. Right, you know exactly. if they don't get to a hospital quickly, it's a distracting for the movie to see someone wriggling around in the background. I know, and I know. Like, oh God, oh, yeah, get get word to my family. It's like just hey, let just that get beautiful woman just die. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> she's gotta go. So you, it seems like you you girls are pretty happy with the portrayal of women in in the movie and uh, that wasn't it that was something I definitely wanted to ask you about so as we get into kind of like the conclusion of this movie here we, we talked Nicola I brought up this scene before and you kind of were ready to, to go and he trots the horse into the guy's room first of all he does not trot the horse he giddy ups the horse so I will I will talk about this nonsense where like where William Wallace gets shot in the heart with an arrow and then within five minutes he's a ninja assassin and then I just blacked out and then all of a sudden I wake up 
And then William Wallace giddy-ups into this guy's bedroom, coincidentally after he's had a nightmare about William Wallace wearing all blue paint, not half blue paint, but all blue paint with a <laughs> fire behind him. And then he giddy-ups, for some reason has a horse, and like giddy-ups throughout like the mansion, ends up in his room, hits him with the ball in the chain. I, that was too much for me. That, and then, yeah. oh my God, I, but, I, but I thought that was a dream sequence as well. I didn't know that that was an actual scene. I was yeah. like, this has yeah. to be a dream, and the guys come rushing in. Well, so that kind of goes into my point a little bit about William Wallace in general and what he represents and how he's portrayed is that double dream sequence followed by him down, dancing yeah. on the mountaintops, followed by them telling stories about him, to me kind of shows that, that William Wallace isn't necessarily meant to represent an actual person in this movie as it is he's, he's meant to represent an ideal and this is how this gossip. is one ideal on how to live or how or what you what you should base yourself on as someone in life More like a seven foot man who just kills people with just the there's, this the guy country. can do it so so can we it's and this this guy is just he lives for love and he lives for passion and he lives for freedom and as as someone who's trying to rise up in a revolution this is how you have to be if you're going to Has overthrow to be what? You have to, you have to... And rise up in a revolution, how do you have to be? It's you have to be driven for your pursuit for freedom. Mm -hmm. And you have to do so really unconditionally. And that's how William Wallace is through this movie. It was his singular soul interest. Yes. And his last line. And And I don't believe that's a coincidence. Yeah, and this movie is a movie about revolution. I mean, really, fundamentally, that's what it is. It's about... It's about a, a people rising up against a tyrannical government. But he wasn't killing that when he giddy-upped into that guy's room and killed that one guy. That wasn't him killing a bunch of people. It was him it, killing it, that one guy. So he was mad because that guy was... Um, it a, was in the, in the, in the script of the movie and in the world that we're living in in the movie that was real. But what I'm saying is, is if you're telling a story as an allegory or as to represent a point that you're trying to make, I think that that's the point of the movie where we kind of say... You know, what is William Wallace? Is he, is he a man or is he a story of a man and is he an ideal? And I think that that's kind of where the movie's now starting to drive home the themes. And it's, it's that okay. That one scene it's, you're saying? Like when he's, when I think that sequence. Yeah, that sequence of so the, him, horse is the guy having the dream, waking up from the dream, and then seeing it. I mean, just think about how sensational the whole thing is. Like you have a dream about someone and then... They're just there. Not they're just not just there, but they're drive they're riding a horse or sorry, galloping a no, horse. Giddy up giddy upping a horse into, <laughs> into the room with a mace swinging over your head. Well it's like a premonition. Sometimes people like dream about death and then it happens. There's a lot of symbolism that's And then really he drives the horse there. out of the oh, house and leaps into that. the wood. And yeah. if a horse ever looked fake in the in that movie, it was there the where it was kind of just like this limp horse falling upside down. I know. Okay, so when it jumped in the river and it like just like No, I don't get even started on that. It like no, Well a, a real life horse would never it wouldn't react though. Horses are always yeah, he going would to buck upright him themselves. Off and horses and swim, by the way. It was, an, it was oh, another one oh, of I Yeah, 100%. Did you ever play Oregon Trail? <laughs> <laughs> Am I a child of the 80s and 90s? Hello? It was the oxen or the horse sides. Now, did you guys give your Oregon Trail people who passed, did you give them proper burial or did you just move along? I moved on. Yeah, I moved on too. <laughs> 
that. They they the tried to get like you tried to get my berries. Basic. <laughs> now, when you were hunting, did you hunt like, to get just enough food, too. or did you did you hunt way more than you could carry? Just enough food. Oh, I hunted way more than I could. carry. Oh. I gave proper burials and just killed buffaloes left and right. Like you you killed four thousand pounds of meat and you only needed eight pounds. And I'm like, yeah, but those buffaloes are so easy to shoot. You know, like, <laughs> they're so big. Pow pow pow. Yeah, the squirrels. I mean, the squirrels. You can barely get the squirrels. They're scurrying all over the screen. The squirrels are hard to get. They've got to bring that back. They like, have, in they original have... form. Daniel, I think they have much more compelling games now. I, know. <laughs> I like the basics. Much more volume. <laughs> William Wallace gets captured here. Bruce. Robert the Bruce yeah. calling out his, his leper father and, yeah. and kind of really denouncing father, him. Father, yeah. Yeah, my hate will die with you. And, yeah. and it's... It's kind of like a moment of realization of, you know, now I'm not just going to be a part of the system that I was born into. I'm going to become my own person. What I liked about how this movie ended, Robert the Bruce didn't then just get inserted into a, a position of power where all of a sudden they're just following him. He kind of lived up to what William Wallace said is saying they're not going to follow a position. They're going to follow true courage. And when he gave the speech at the end, the crew just kind of looked at him. And was like, eh, okay. And it was the sword, the Tostin sword, which wasn't in the script, that they kind of came up with on the spot. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, Who and, said that, Hamish? Uh, Hamish, yeah. Yeah. Kind of hammers on the point of, it's the idea of William Wallace and what what that could represent. Because that isn't real. Because you can, I mean, Daniel, you said it. Like, it's, you can't, like, living that way doesn't really work. You know, you can't just wake up in the morning and be like, freedom! Yeah. Like, you gotta make your eggs and have some oranges and do the, you know, <laughs> go shopping and do the things that normal people do. You can't just be trotting around on your horse. Uh, or or giddy-upping. Giddy-upping, yes. Yeah. Giddy-upping. Uh, well, I did have to bring this up, too, with the horse. You know how kind of, like, when he's giving the freedom speech and talking, the horse, like, is manically, like, yeah, driving... Yeah, back and speeds forth. ...speeds up oh, and slows down. Oh, that annoyed me. It was, like, uh, very distracting. Yeah, intense. So that's what no. happened, because every time he screamed, the horse freaked out. Sure, and, like, naturally. would literally go. And so, like, they kept trying to film it and film it, and, like, they're just like, you know what? This is how it's got to be now. It's just let's just let's have this manic scene where he's just moving up and down and moving around. So that was all just part of, oh, of that's how the movie goes. Because yeah. that was like a really standout scene, and that it annoyed the shit out of me. <laughs> so I'm in the process of watching uh, the Clint Eastwood directed movies. You, Mikola, you and Oz inspired me to pick a director and kind of watch them. In, I know in order. we were talking about that before you got here. Actually, we need a new director. I watched. Uh, I got. I got about let's seven or eight movies in. I'm moving into the. He he started directing the '70s and he's you know going through. I'm into the '80s now. But I watched the Inside the Actors Studio with okay. him just to kind of get a little perspective oh, of him and, and it's it's an awesome watch. I feel like I don't know anything about him. Yeah, person. and and I watched his reality show. Oh really? Years I didn't know ago, he had a with his second show. wife or one Isn't of his wives. Kind of Eastwood. Yeah, he had this wife that they uh... they had a reality show. Mm-hmm. Bravo. Probably E. Mm. It was one of those. Mm. Poor man's Bravo. And I miss James Lipton. Prolific Incredible. man. Incredible. Legend. One of the, he read a quote from one of Eastwood's frequent cinematographers. This is was talking about Eastwood. And he's reading this quote to Eastwood. It's like one of his styles. You know, this person said this about you. You know, and he goes, he's the only director that's ever, that's not said action and cut. He doesn't use action and cut. And then, you know, he's like, explain this to me. So, Eastwood came up on television westerns, and what would happen is, is they'd get everybody set. They'd all be on the horses. Get everyone set. Let's get everyone set. We're good. We got to get the cat. Everything is filmed. Here we go. Action! And all the horses would go, and they'd fly all over the place, and like, oh, God, set it up again. Set it up again. And they'd take all these takes, and Eastwood would sit there and go, 
well, of course the horses are going nuts. They're screaming and yelling. So he, when he started making movies, he would just go, all right, everyone ready? Okay, we good? All right, yes, yes, yes let's go. And then he'd just go. And absolutely. then when he's done, he'd be like, all right, that's enough. And that's <laughs> really good. And, and he's kind of explained it. Like they're, like, they're laughing. It's like, well, isn't that kind of laid back? Like, don't, you need to know where to start thinking. And he goes, well, I look at it and say, like, if you're about to do your job and I scream action in your face, there's going to be a little part of you inside that's going to jolt. Well, and animals like, are absolutely. like that, though. Yeah, yeah just because. They're humans. Yeah, but humans are, too. And that's the that point, too. Is like, yeah, human may not physically react, but he's going to react on the inside. And he's going to say, there's going to be a little moment of his that takes him out of it. And same with Cot. You know, I want to just, just, let's just do it. Let's just go. We're ready to go. Let's go. Start when you start. We'll figure it out. The, the, uh, of course. I'm sure the, the film editor loved that. Definitely. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so I just thought that that, that, that was kind of cool. Okay, so we're, we're wrapping up the movie now. We're going to head into the awards. Uh, is there anything else we need to say on this one here? I think the, we got the conclusion pretty good. The king dying. I mean, he died the uh, kind of rough internal death there. Isabel got her, got her last word in oh, by saying, Oh, that felt so good. You know, it's Speaking. not your son's baby in my belly. Yeah, I like, I like <laughs> that. That was actually yeah, so I think we're ready to go into the awards. Are we ready to go? Let's do sure. it. Sure. All right, absolutely. So MVP for Braveheart. But who is the most valuable player? Is I know this is like not what you wanted, but I had like 86. Oh, you had 86 MVPs? Yes. Okay. Um, who was your... your <laughs> <laughs> All right, 85 of them were horses. <laughs> <laughs> 85 were horses and one was human. Um, okay, well, let's, let, Nicola's going to give us our, her human MVP. Yes, Campbell, Hamish's dad. Um, cool. He literally got arrowed in his heart, continued to fight. His, his hand got cut off. He was such a badass. I loved him. Hamish's dad, Campbell, my badass, slash a million horses. Hell yes, love it. Not the fake one falling into the water, though. Like well, the... we don't know. All the like, horses. It could have been fake, fake <laughs> horse, right. like all the horses, MVP. Slash Campbell. I'm going to go MVP next. And my MVP was Robert the Bruce, played by Angus McFadden. I thought that his character was the one character within this narrative where there was a lot to think about. There was a lot to reflect upon. To me, there was the most depth. I thought that William Wallace was one way. I thought that King Edward was the other way. And... Robert the Bruce was the in-between. And that's whoever you are as a person, however you look at life, however you look at religion, however you look at love, however you look at politics, like that's the character where you could kind of find how this story makes sense to you. And yeah, I thought the actor did a great job. I thought he had, I thought he had a good distinguished look. You know, he's got that Saw legacy to him. And uh, that's, uh, that's what I went with. <laughs> yeah, so, Angus McFadden, and, yeah. but more so the character than, because sure. the actor is the actor. He did a nice, fine job, but I, I really enjoyed the character in this. Danielle. Oh. 100% MVP, uh, Isabel. Cool. Princess, Princess Isabel. She really showed her strength, her conviction. She was loyal. She was intuitive. She was very daring, actually. She really risked her life several times. And quite frankly, without her and her warnings to William and, and his whole crew, like, the movie wouldn't have happened. So, like, I'm a little torn because I'm like, maybe, like, it didn't need to be this song. But at the same time, she kept it going. And her quote was a real standout. I have it here. You see, death comes to us all. But before it comes to you, know this. 
your blood dies with you. Well, yeah. Yeah. A child who is not of your line grows in my belly. Your son will not sit long on the throne, I swear it. And the fact that he wasn't able to use his words, like that, you just heard the gurgling. That was that. true vindication after seeing him be so vicious and terrible. I thought it was awesome. So she's definitely my MVP. LVP, Karen. All right, we're ready for LVP here. We'll go right into it. Yeah, no, no, that's, hey, that's a great guest segue right there. I like it. I've got to shut down your MVP. He's my LVP. Wow, okay, all right. That's good. That's good. Good dynamics here. Robert DeVue's, no, the character or the actor? No, the character. The character, okay, cool. I found him to flip-flop quite a bit. And while we're all allowed to be indecisive, he was basically the heir to this... Uh, Scott throne or Scottish throne and he flubbed and he wasn't a good leader and his dad was a real prick but his dad was a decisive leader and you need that one way or another and I thought he caused a lot of trouble to William yeah he's just my LVP yeah okay so I, I mean I can't argue with any of that as far as like the constructs of of like the script and how it's laid out that I think that there's a lot of um, Scottish people who would agree with you you know because I think that <laughs> they felt that it was disrespectful to the actual Robert the Bruce who's considered a hero. The original Braveheart now. Yeah, yeah the original Braveheart, exactly. That, that name was attributed to him and not. But there is where I can take that and, and kind of just go back to why I thought that that presence was the most valuable because who is the real Braveheart in this movie? Is it William Wallace or is it the people who succeed upon what he believed in and what he represented? We're left at the end of the movie with Robert the Bruce and... Whatever brought him there, the decisions he made, which obviously a lot of them weren't great, but I think the point of the movie and the themes within the story they're trying to tell is is that whatever decisions you make in life and however you get to where you need to be, you have to be based on something and you have to believe in something and it's how you live. We all die, they say it many times, but it's how you live. And I think the Robert the Bruce character is the representation of how we decide to live and how we choose and what decisions we make, where we go. At the end of the movie, that's where he got, and he is the Braveheart at the end of that movie because he got there based on William Wallace's presence. That's obviously very wordy throughout there, no, but I, I, that's kind of what I took out of his value as far oh, as the movie goes. Oh, I think there's so much more to tell about his story, and I was reading up that they actually did a sequel that was based oh on God. him. Really? On Robert DeBruce? Yes, no. I believe it's like his namesake. Um, wow. So they did it, or they were going to do it and trash it. It's recent. I think it was meant to be. Oh, they had one last out. year wow. and then COVID. Oh, cool. So oh, wow. I think it was called Robert the Bruce. And he oh. does he he plays same actor, same actor too. Oh, I would wow. be fascinated. Oh, I, I don't know where out. they're yeah. showing it. Wow. But it, it came cool. out last year. I feel for him so though. I'd like I to still, see his story continue. That back and forth is so human, though. But he really fucked some stuff up, and you know, <laughs> let's yeah. lead and let's figure it out. So it it. His decisions or his lack of decisiveness had a lot of collateral damage. So that's why he's my LVP. Nicola, your LVP. No, I actually don't really have one. I've thought about this. I've watched the movie twice and I can't think of anyone. Hmm. Okay, so you liked it as it kind of as it was. Well, no, no, not the movie. <laughs> okay, well then what's, yeah, <laughs> what held, what's the biggest thing that held it back? I thought the length kind of held me back a little bit. I thought it was Mel Gibson pounding his chest. 
It was like a movie like wrapped in tartan plaid and Mel Gibson's ego. Like it was I Mel felt... Gibson, your LVP. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm murky tartan, Nicola. No, the murky. No, so maybe you're right. Like there wasn't no one that was like, oh my god, this guy annoyed me. But thinking about it as in a full, like I really thought that maybe as we're talking out loud, that it was just Mel Gibson talking about how he wants himself to be portrayed, and maybe he, he is my director. I know. So maybe he is my LVP. Yeah. I mean, you went to the runtime first and then you got there with it. So I maybe, know. maybe his, his, him as a director. But I, I wanted him me. to not be like gurgling, 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 freedom. Like, Say I did it. not like that. Freedom. Like, oh yeah, that part was like laughable to me. So maybe, yeah, right. I guess, Mel Gibson is my LVP. Well, didn't they bring reinforcements? That scene didn't make any sense to me. I know. I'd he rather has, he them has, well, And how were they not caught, captured, I, I, and up there with him well that that one is kind of like how did they get in there and then wear the disguises and then get out but I mean, they're not gonna like you, you're not gonna like interrupt an execution like that's kind of like it's probably a well-secured situation i think they probably went at it out of respect more than anything else i personally could have lived with them not being there for i that. agree that was kind of a little goofy Very like that's what i'm saying like they're gonna wear Gar- groucho marx glasses with the nose and the eyebrows like it was yeah, kind of like, cool it, was, hoodie, it was a little bro. goofy it was a little goofy that was a little movie to me he's like how did they get in how did they get oh, goofy was him screaming freedom like, i laughed i know that some guys like you could tell mel gibson got an erection while he's writing that scene he's like what am i gonna, he's like what am i gonna scream honestly i think he was me. rock hard the whole movie why do you think it's about kept going back the to whole him? Movie <laughs> about Mel Gibson. It was Mel Gibson's so gratuitous. No, like, right. I am man. All right. Hear me roar. He's my LVP. There oh, you go. Here's a dick pic. Like, let's <laughs> fucking go. Would he have gotten removed from Scottish rule if he sent a dick pic at that time? I don't know. Can you send a dick pic? Like, like written on, like, a calf's, like, like skin? <laughs> I think you just, just lick the kilt. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the pick. My LVP was, it was the one-dimensional villains. Specifically King Edward. I really liked the actor. I really liked the actor's performance. I kind of really liked the scenes he was in. But like, if we're telling a story, I like a little more complicated vi- villains. You know, yeah. I, I think that any time that you show a guy just being evil all the time for the sake of evil, it's just kind of like, all right, is this really like how someone is actually acting or are we making a movie here? And I do think that while we're pounding the chest of William Wallace the whole movie, he still does some pretty grisly things, you know? Like, he doesn't listen to the guy's terms in battle. You know, he's cutting, slitting yeah. people's throats in cold blood. He's not, he's not, actually, William Wallace is less all good than the villain was, was yeah. more all he's evil. He so. totally had it coming. That's what's yeah. hard, because you want to root for him, because they make it, you know, they force you to feel like he's the protagonist, and he's the guy that you have to be into, but... You know, he did send the king's nephew's head in a box, so... Yeah, well, that's the other thing, too, is he's going to chop the head off and nails the box. Yeah, right. So, it's, so, so I, thought that the, I thought that the villains being so one-dimensionally bad was a little... That lacked some value to me. I thought that you could have made a better movie by having some more complex villains. But, but, but if we shoot the arrows, it'll hit our guys, too. Yeah. Yeah, arrows free. are more expensive than... Bo- you know, like, yeah. like, right, we oh, get it, you the know. Irish. Clever lines, but... Yeah. Oh, they're Irish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a, eh, whatever. Yeah, He's right. a good actor, but it's probably he was one a good of those actor, things. Yes. There are movies sometimes where you're like, bad writing, bad acting. Hey, like, do you yeah. think we had some really solid actors? It's on the writing here. It's on the writing here. The guy who played Edward was handed a script, and he crushed it. 
So you can't, it's nothing on him. It's just, it's the writing of the villains to me. Honorable mention. So this is the point where this is the participation award. We give it out to anyone you just want to shout out. Pretty much anyone else you liked in the movie who you want to give some hardware to. I'm going Argyle. Cool, Brian Cox. Would have loved to have seen more of him. Not only for the story and character development. He's just badass and he really owned the hell out of the little scenes that he had. Yeah, I was I would have loved to see more of that. For sure. As we talked and about his horse before. was the most beautiful. I know. Majestic. <laughs> um, I agree. I think our, I, we, we, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I loved Argyle being like such a sweet uncle coming in. I mean, he wasn't. Who it's knows pretty ornery. He's pretty grouchy. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty grouchy, you know, with his one blind eye. But I really like that he came in and uh, took charge of taking care of him when he was such a young kid and teaching him all these languages and whatever. Wish we had more scenes. I'd watch a whole movie of just that story. Yeah, yeah. Taking him around Europe, teaching him Latin, French, Italian. So, Michael, is that your your, um, participation award too? Yeah. Wow, okay, cool. So I'm going with Steve the Irish. Here. Uh, Gotta shout him out. You mean the madman. Uh, yeah, he was the uh, shot in the arm of the movie. Kind of slid right in the middle it. point. Kind of get yeah. It, there's there's like a moment of this movie where all of the characters kind of start to blend together a little bit, and he like kind of wakes the viewer up, and he's like, oh no no, there's other people here. Right, you know, and, and then uh, he laughs hysterically, and they all laugh. He's like, I'm a madman. You're mad, and they all laugh. It's right. like we kind of needed that. Like, yes, like, yeah. Stephen's yeah, definitely a, a fun hang. He's a real wild I'd like card to be in a dark. Like Irish pub with him, for sure. I would love to be in a dark Irish pub with him. <laughs> <laughs> a total wild card. Scene of the movie. Nicola, your scene of the movie here. So I love the scene where the Irish are on the um, England sign, and then they start running towards William Wallace and his crew, and you're like, what's going to happen? Like, we're all so scared. And then they meet up with each other, and then Stephen, that the man-man, was like, oh, good morning. It's so good to see you. Yeah. And they're oh, Wave the Guinness flag, yeah, you know. That, the yeah, Guinness right, flag. Yeah. I was like, why does that look so familiar? Was, oh, you know, like the, the Irish car bombs I had in right, college right. slash yesterday. <laughs> um, but I loved that scene because it was like it was like oh yeah, it was like a feel yeah, good scene. Yeah, it was really, it was a feel good scene. A feel good scene that there. I really really needed. Danielle, scene of the movie. <sighs> this is so vulgar. Um, <laughs> she's like. Every sex scene. Going I was like, back one? to my girl. The deleted scene where they un- yes. disemboweled him. <laughs> no nudity, okay, all so. implied. So it was just like a very subtle scene, like in a corridor with Princess <laughs> Isabel and her lady in waiting, whatever we're yes, calling her. The gossip queen. So it's her giving the gossip and yes. filling her in on the story or the legend of William Wallace. And then, like, very slight reference to Cunnilingus. Because she had slept with one of the the war councilmen. Englishman's tongues. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she did. And then the queen just kind of like put her head up against the wall and closed her eyes. She's like, oh, William Wallace. Like, she didn't say that. Like, it was just very girl talk. It was girl talk, and we kind of needed that. There was no other type of like girl talk like that. At all. I like that. I like that. I thought it was saucy and fun, and also this like very ironically underlying like yeah. feminist type of notion yeah, like she's basically, sleeping around right and they're talking in French and she's insulting right? like the foreplay like I thought it was very yep. fun he and unexpected yeah, Eng- Englishmen don't know how to use their tongues yeah, like, yes. yeah. the character's name is Nicolette and it's portrayed wow. by Jean Marine yes of course Nicolette's the perfect name <laughs> for of her course character it is. of course it is <laughs> my scene William Wallace tackles the knight 
on the horse, breaks him down, takes the helmet off, and reveals Robert the Bruce. And he has and that, then one, has that tier, one broken one moment. Tier, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tier that goes single tier moment. Yeah, one, really. And then he just sits back, and his, yeah, and his face just, is just like an astonishment. And then, then the arrow wound's starting to sink in. It's like, ah, you know yeah. what? I, and then he just says healed, and he giddy ups into yeah. the guy's arrow. <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's a time lapse there. But, yeah. Yeah, and I, I thought that that was the moment of the thematic portion of this movie. I mean, as far as this, like, pure entertainment goes, I gotta think, like, him storming the town to get the guy who killed his wife is as entertaining as it gets. If it's talking about like, pure entertainment, that's a scene I can watch. The most rewatchable scene Wait, wait, what scene again? The... When, in the earlier part of the movie, oh, when yeah. he storms the town and... He betrays him, essentially. He takes the mallet, he's got the tusk, and he's, like, oh, doing yes, all the things, yes. and then he gets the to the guy, and then the puts him in the post and slits his throat. Yeah, yep. that's... I thought it was also nice and, like, such a macho man type of... It's a movie about Mel... Yeah, uh, to for him to show that vulnerability and to do it so deeply, I thought was a nice touch. Whether yeah, the, I, mean, like, I wasn't like totally sold on it, but I thought it was a powerful moment nonetheless. Yeah, the broken part of the character. And now we all kind of had that quote in the beginning as our as our quote. But it, I would be remiss. We can't have a brave heart podcast here without me reading the quote. No, yeah. I gotta do it. I it's gotta so do it. cheesy. I'm sorry. No, that, it's not. But and that... Nicola, you need to understand this, okay? Us men, we like strategy and we like big speeches before the strategy. That's how we do it. That's what that's what that's what the, the NBA locker room is about. It's about the big NFL game before the first pitch of the game. When I thought through. about this movie, do you know a quote that I had in my head? It was <laughs> Give me liberty or give right. me death. Well, that was an actual quote. <laughs> yeah. See, this is this but has I, been going on. But this I thought going that on. that was that was Mel Gibson's quote, and then I was like, and I <laughs> well, then like, oh, well, there you shoot, go. It's attributed a, to okay, an actual ahead, revolution quote. Okay. This is the Market Square Arena. You know, Michael Jordan taking layups for the game, getting ready to go. This is the quote. Yes. Come on, let's do it. Right, here we go. Run and you'll live at least a while. And I'm bobbing around on my horse once. Yeah, so. I already pictured that. We'll be here. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this days to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom? Yes. That's the right. quote. That and, is the quote of course. And then Zaza's like, And while I was prepared to say that it might be the best quote we cover here, Mikkel's like, that's cheesy. Like, it's... Uh, no, because Give me the horse. The best it's quote is give me liberty quote. or give me death. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so this is where we do the time machine recast. You could take any person, any actor. It could be Buster mm-hmm. Keaton. It could be Timothy Chalamet. You take anyone, you put them into the movie. Any role you want, it's up to you. Danielle, you going to go first? Yeah, that's that. Let it rip. That's how it works around here. <laughs> My recast is for William Wallace. Okay, you're going for William Wallace. Obvi, going right to the. You're, you're cutting the head off the snake here. I have two proposals. Yes, Queen. Uh, okay. I was thinking primarily. I don't know if you're familiar with the show Outlander. Watched the first season. Loved it. Jamie, I, I know Highlander so from the '90s. Outlander's the current show on Stars. Okay. It's wonderful. About four, five, six seasons in. I thought it's Stars actually very went similar. Years ago, but... It's a historical fiction series, and it's in Scotland and and elsewhere, but the actor is Scottish, and uh, Jamie from Outlander. He's brawny, he's a little bit bigger than Mel, but he's got the look and the hair. Sam Hugan. Sam Hugan. I think he looks the part. I think he has a natural built-in Scottish accent, and he already kind of plays a bit of a similar role, so I think it's an obvious. Wow, all right. 
But on another level, Jax from Sons of Anarchy, I think would be yeah. kind of fun to see in that role mm. as well. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't have a really strong ones, except for I would love... Doesn't have to be strong, it's just I want Shrek more. for Hamish, 100%. You want them to digitally, digitally impose yes. Shrek into it. I mean, You're going for the record here. You're going for the record here. The record currently... What's the record? Uh, it's currently already putting Steve Harvey into Slumdog Millionaire as the host. <laughs> but digitally imposing Shrek into Shrek Braveheart may win. And I yes, want that may win. Neil Patrick Harris as um, Longshank's son. Uh, that's not bad. I that want, is not bad. I want, you know, if they're going to interject some type of humor or comedic relief. And like, maybe have the gay you... character actually represented by a gay person. Yes, yes, right, yes. Yeah. Yes, fine. Um, but I love Neil Patrick Harris, and Ooh, I, I like that one. The digitally, yeah. you know, Artie Artie's title may be in in uh, nope. in question here. That's Shrek is important to me, <laughs> <laughs> and he has a really good accent. <laughs> okay, so I don't like doing this. Uh-oh. I try to avoid the main characters in these things, okay, but I, like I also went the William Wallace route here. Nice. With this. I have an alternate one just in case. Cover my cover my back here, but. Mel Gibson did not want to star in this, believe it or not. Which you would you would not believe that based on watching the movie because all all he is literally starring in this movie it's all at every, every clip yeah. all day. He thought he was too old for the role. He wanted to direct it and Agreed. produce it yeah. and have a have a younger actor in there. There's a couple people brought up. Brad Pitt, I think, was one of them. Oh, he was. However, of... mine is someone that was brought up. Yeah, I think Brad Pitt would have been good. I think he's a little a young at that point. I think he's a little young at that point to carry the acting end of it. But um, mine. Daniel Day-Lewis was considered okay. for this spot. And again, so now I'm, I'm not only am I subbing in the main actor, I'm subbing it in with like the main actor Well, that's a completely different movie then. It is, but now at this time though, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis is coming off of uh, Les Mohegans. You know, he already had won the Oscar for My Left Foot. So he kind of fits in. He, he totally would would do like the... Like live as William Wallace. I'd love thing. to know his method. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it would be yeah. method. There would be oh, method. He would be, be so dirtier. Cool. He'd be dirtier than anyone on on set. I promise you that. He would live in filth. Yes. But so, Mel Gibson have the direct Daniel Day Lewis. The fact be... that they considered that though, they really, considered Daniel. Day. Yes, he was oh. in consideration for it. It just makes me wonder what this movie would have been. I yeah. think it could have been an all time great. I think but if if he's in that spot, we could be talking. Daniel Day Lewis, absolutely. Yeah, we but really would be talking. I don't about think this we talked about how quick some of the scenes move and like the lack of depth that a lot of the characters have. Can Daniel Day Lewis fix that? Yes. I don't think so. Where That's a good like point. That is a good point. And then Nicole. the last like twenty minutes and the first thirty minutes are so many. Weird It'd still be scenes. in the same hand, uh, be in the hands of the same director and the same writer. So you're right, but I, I do think the movie would be a better movie with Daniel Day-Lewis there. I think with Daniel Day-Lewis, we'd have a better idea walking away of who William Wallace was. Okay. Intended to be. And it's also not Mel Gibson filming himself, so maybe he's a little less self-indulgent with some of those but shots. we never really talked about how fast some of the scenes moved and how, like, thin the characters were. And, like, that's a, that's maybe an episode for another day, but I felt that Well, story, it's not going to be another day. This is the day. No, so I know. let's listen, get it out. Listen, yeah, like, it's a three-hour movie, but I felt that there were some parts are really long and some, pa- some parts where we talked about before, like... Like they were incomplete. They're incomplete and just felt, like, really yeah, weird and I can't argue. And, I can't argue like with the, the characters being thin. I mean, I... Again, 
that was my LVP was the villains. I thought the villains were completely thin. They're one dimensional. Right. And you build up this, you know, it's a romance movie. It is not a romance movie. And then you go through like several war scenes. And then I, we, we've laughed a little bit before about like Mel Gibson running to this guy's room with like a ball on a chain and then happens really fast and then slow again. That happens really fast. There's just like not a lot of depth to a lot of this. So you got some film editing issues here. I do have film film editing issues because the movie's so long, but and. It's annoyingly long, but I don't feel any connection with any character whatsoever throughout the whole wow. movie. Okay. That's very yeah. well said, actually. So my alternative recast would be Brian Cox, rather than as Argyle, let's replace him for Longshanks. I think he could have owned the crap out of that. No disrespect to the actor who portrayed Longshanks, but Brian Cox can do that in his sleep. And he plays Andre. it, and I brought up Troy a couple times here. He plays that role in Troy. Poor so, use of his know. time, in my opinion. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with that. My backup one, I, I was going to f- look at the leper and do a little flip-flop oh, with the leper thank here. You. Um, I want to put... <laughs> with the same skin? Or I want to put Malcolm... <laughs> I want to put Malcolm McDowell in there. So Malcolm McDowell, so, the lead role in Clockwork Orange. But you'll probably know him if you've seen Entourage. Yes, As I have. As Sloane's dad, the British man yes. who is not happy with Ari. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm McDowell. So that's, he's... The same, that's the same man? Yes. Yeah. Whoa. Could be a good leper, right? Good slaver. I think he'd give a little, he'd give a little bite to that character. Yeah, a hundred. British bite. Scottish. I did not movie. know that that was him. Yeah. yeah Mind blowing. Oh, I didn't know who it was Today years old when I learned that. This is we do the one to five. Now, one isn't the worst movie ever. Five isn't... The best movie ever, okay? Five is, this is what I expect out of a best picture winner, 100%. One is, this one best picture, you've got to be fucking kidding me. All right, so that, that's how it kind of goes in the one to five. So we start on performances. The actors on screen, how they portray themselves, what you saw out of them. Do you get a one to five, Daniel? You go first. I'm going to go solid three, straight down the middle, just because some were better, some brought it down, some brought it up. And I think that it ultimately balanced. I don't want to knock the performances, but had there been a better ensemble showing, I think it would have gone to at least a four. Yeah, okay. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with the number three. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go three, two. And this is kind of how I look at this, or I'm starting to look at this, is like five to me is give them the Oscar. Like four is like nominate them, but I could see them not winning. Sure. Three is like... I. Good movie, good performances. Didn't expect any nominations, and I don't expect there was no, there was there was no Oscar nominations. Exactly. Yeah, so three, yeah, uh, three is here. 100%. No one sucked. No one deserved a trophy. No one deserved a nomination for a trophy. So I, I, I think a three is where it is. Green. Cinematography, how the movie shot, how the movie's presented. What do you think, Michelin? Five. 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 I love. I mean, I love nature shots naturally. I love. I've never been to Scotland. I think we talked about this a little bit earlier. I've been to Scotland. I picture it misty and green. There was a little lack of color throughout the whole movie. It was but, so gray. And it was very gray. Well, there was some green in it, and that's what I pictured Scotland to be. Though I don't picture mm-hmm. Scotland to be colorful and beautiful. Yeah, and, and believe it or not, it rained every day that they really? filmed in Scotland. They they yeah. had they had two days in their entire time in Scotland where it didn't rain. Danielle. How it's shot? How the movie's presented? Where'd you have it? I thought it was pretty well done. I, I wouldn't give it a five. 
um, probably honestly just because it was a little dreary, but I get it. It's it's not a criticism. I'll give it a four. Four. It cool. was solid. Yeah. I'm going to be the uh, the split boat here. Uh, I'm going to give it a five. I think it perfectly encapsulated that region. I hate movies. I hate movies that are trying to show you New York City, but they're filming Seattle. I hate movies yeah. that are trying to show you, you know, the hills of Asia, but they're filmed in Vancouver. Like, it's just, <laughs> I, that, to me, that's so weak. Or, or you just get a green screen. This was that region, and they totally nailed that geographically. Boom. The camera work was masterful. The battle scenes, we already talked yeah, about we it. Talk we about don't see earlier. that anymore. It's all green screen now. A great cinematographer at work who really made the most out of every opportunity they had. I thought it was a, a five out of five. And uh, the last one is themes. The story they were trying to tell. Danielle. They had ambitious object uh, objectives. However, I do not think they were successfully achieving that. So I don't think to give them a three is quite right. Could we do somewhere between two and three, like a two point five? Okay, so we're, we're, ambitious. So maybe. So here's what execute. I'm gonna say. Here's what I'm gonna say: is you're on the two point five fence, and you're getting pulled from each arm. Who's gonna pull you further? The one saying it's more of a two, or the one saying it's more of a three? It's gonna be then more close to two. To two. I wasn't okay. satisfied. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was a maybe first, second, third draft, not quite worked enough. There was so much there, so much to expand on. Symbolism everywhere, but like, it was never quite right. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, talk about there's so many details of this movie that do not get fixated on at all. And look, movies aren't meant to like give you the whole movie. Like you right. have to use Especially your Especially when we're looking at it to like talk about it. Ugh, it, it just could have been a little bit stronger for me. Something was missing. I don't even know what it was. Yeah, okay. This wasn't quite satisfying. Yeah, I think I agree with Danielle and her. Like, it was kind of low on that scale. So I would give it a two. Going two also. Okay. Yeah. So I, so for me, I think that this movie is deeper and more thematic than people give it credit for. The lack of historical inaccuracies it gets hit with right away, always. So I think that just out of... When, when there's a tagline or something people can just put on something, oh, it's not historically accurate. It's like, all right, well, okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Sure. In watching it this time around, and I actually, believe it or not, expected to like this movie less than I did this time around. I, I was like coming in, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to appreciate this as much as I did. We're really putting a magnifying glass up to it. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. And I thought that there were deeper themes in there that then... I was prepared for, and, and they kind of went through that Robert the Bruce character. I think this movie gets a little bit of a bad rap there. Mm -hmm. Don't think it's the deepest movie ever, but I think it's a little more than a three. I'm going to give it a four, because I, I think I can sit down and talk to someone about life through this movie and have a conversation that both of us would be rewarded with. And and that I don't I don't think yeah. many movies have that. So no, it's a, that, so, that, so the, it's above average. It has the right bones, you know, good bones. Good bones. Just yeah. needed a bit more. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not a five. I'm not saying it's a five. Right. You know, so you made a really um, good point. It actually, had a lot of good bones. Like I talked about before, there's a lot of like quick scenes where I needed more. From I it. wanted to know more about the right. ghosts but that's in the, the dream sequences. Though. Okay, like, that yeah, stuff is interesting to me. Yeah. And they don't right. have to, like, feed you everything. That's not their responsibility, but it just wasn't expansive enough so for a, me as a viewer. In a world, girls, where you saw every Best Picture winner there was, and there's 92 right now. Oh. Boy. Where do you think Braveheart would just 
turn up? Like, where do you, like, just, again, don't think too hard. Just where, like. Sure. I would say 62. Be in, well, there you go. Or just give me an exact number. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. I, yeah, I, okay. I'm, tr- I'm thinking of, like, you actually made a really good point. We are talking about, like, deeper things about, like, Robert DeBruce mm-hmm. and had his relationship with his dad and, like, going back and forth. Like, so when you were just talking right now, it reminded me of a lot of feelings that I felt while watching that movie. I didn't love the movie. I didn't hate it. But, you know, if someone wants to sit down and eat popcorn and, like, watch a movie for three hours, this is not a bad movie to watch. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to unpack. And when we prepare for a podcast like this, like, we're ready to, like, we're writing, we're thinking about a lot more than what people generally think about. When people watch a movie like Braveheart, they're looking to, like, eat popcorn and watch well, a movie, that, There right? you go. And I think that that's key is this movie, there is a lot to unpack. However, you don't have to unpack it. You can just watch it as a popcorn but movie I did, and have a fine time. But I did. I want to unpack it. But I you, want more. But I think that there, okay, there could be, and there could be more. There could be more. But there, if you want to sit and have a discussion and unpack, you can do that. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna, there's gonna be some dead ends that you get to. But there is a discussion within this movie that's deeper than just the popcorn watch. But if it's just a rainy Sunday and you're looking for a, a good action movie, this plays that role too. A new segment that we do now is we recommend a movie. And uh, I've already showed my hands a little bit because we are going to be talking Hacksaw Ridge. And that is ultimately going to be my, my recommendation here with this. But I want to hear what two movies that you girls said that if someone like Braveheart, you'd, you'd steer them to this movie next. Danielle, you're, you're going to go first. It feels like apples to apples, straightforward, go go straight to the Patriot. 2000, just a few years later, basically the same story, different country, different war. Yeah, yeah. And he, and Mel directed. Mel directed. Starred. Mel stars. <laughs> you get two really great understated performances. That one from the late Heath Ledger, who's oh, yes. uh, an underrated actor, believe it or not. I mean, he's so hyped for the Joker role, but his other stuff is all really good. Even like 10 like, Things I Hate About You. Yeah, it's like he's, he's good at that movie. He is. Whether it's Brokeback Mountain or whether it's, it's The Patriot, he's just a, or A Knight's Tale. Gone to uh, <laughs> He's a good actor. Yeah, he's a, a really good actor. I also enjoyed The Patriot far more than Braveheart. That's a movie well, I can just put on on a Sunday afternoon in the background. Do you think exactly it's because Exactly what Braveheart was when guys watched it. Do I don't you think know if it's because it's American history. Well, I was going to say, do you it's think it's because the history is more accessible to you? Oh, I wouldn't deny that. Yeah. yeah also a great villainous performance from Tom Wilkinson in that. Yeah, it's not as dirty. We've moved on a bit ahead <laughs> in time. Yeah, 500 you know, years later, right? Jeez. The colonies exist. We have an American Revolution happening. I, um, but some it's semblance of showers. Similar, yeah. <laughs> they have homes. Mikola, your, uh, your movie recommendation. So, you I can... also really like Signs. All right. Talk, <laughs> talk to me about Signs. Signs is one of my favorite movies of all time. Wow. No, I'm night. serious. Greg thinks I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> because I love alien movies. I love Mel Gibson's movie. I love aliens, period. I like it because you very rarely see an alien. You just see the anxiety or like nervousness about that might potentially exist. You don't really see an alien throughout the whole movie. You just think about like what could happen. It's a lot of Passes faith. quick behind the couch and yeah. It's and it's M Night Shyamalan, Sixth Sense, so it's you get that like Give the little, yeah, little spooky Spence. twist at the yeah. end. Great, great choice, though. I think definitely one to check out. We're getting all the Mel Gibsons out at once here. Now, my recommendation, as we said, is Hacksaw Ridge. Now, he's not starring in this one. He's just directing it. And I think this goes back to my recast. Is I think that Braveheart might have been a better movie. I think it would have been a better movie if he didn't star in it. He corrected a lot of things that he misstepped in Braveheart with Hacksaw Ridge. The historical accuracy to the point where in the closing credits he shows the guy, you know, explaining it. Girls, this is your first time seeing Axel Rich. Correct. 
Okay. Uh, Nicola, why don't you go first? Your, what was your experience? So it was my second time, actually. You know, first time I said, I loved Hacksaw Ridge much more than Braveheart. And I think it was a story behind it. Like, I'm not per se religious or whatever, but I love the story of this guy and he kept true to what he believed in, which I think is really rare and hard to find. And he went into war. Yes, I know there was a lot of critique over the war scenes. Mel Gibson might really like these war scenes. And the, the war scene went on for a long time. But I think I liked it 10 times better than Braveheart. I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Danielle. Well, I think the war scenes and the indulgence in the war scenes is definitely a telltale sign that it's probably Gibson. Yeah. yeah. But it didn't bother me. But, but possibly because Andrew Garfield's character, Desmond was nonviolent, like mm -hmm. so very sweet. affirmatively nonviolent or what did they call him? A conscientious subjector. Mm -hmm. Also Andrew Garfield's so darling. No. Right? So good, so Aside good. Aside from he has the longest neck I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about signs. Okay, like. <laughs> well I'm gonna have to like Google image that later. Yeah. But you know, Kieran, going back to sort of like your tie-in with my Patriot recommendation, like, is it possible because it's also more modern history with it's being the World same War thing. II? The, the like, warfare it's is a little easier possible. for you. I hadn't thought about that But I felt like Hacksaw before. Ridge was really like first part, war, last part. Yeah. Where Braveheart was like so many parts. Like, I feel like like Hacksaw Ridge was much easier to watch because it's like first part, you understand what's going on. It's they don't so like him. Clear. And then it's they so expand, clear. Like um, down to the bullying. I, he has I think yes. and it was easier to watch. Trust the narration uh, of it. And again, I think he corrected so many of the mistakes he may have made in Braveheart where he really like with this one, he really locked down and the character, his relationship with his parents early on. And again, this is a movie too where like even the beginning of this one, I was kind of like, oh, I can use a little less of this. Like, yeah. but it was still good, but it was like, it was the same thing as Braveheart. It's like that beginning, like I see what you're trying to do, but a little but less of this. But if you have less of that and you have more of war, like how the do bullying you Bullying you brought up, and it's it is tricky because you do want to get those points in and character development. That's just a movie that I watch it and I well up while I'm watching it every time. Just like the, the, the high spots of it. I just, you know, there are just certain movies where like I could watch it for the eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th time and I'm just gonna well up every time you know whether it's that whether it's Coco or whether it's uh, or whether it's Stars Born like this is just gonna get me every time and th and that is one of them it's so honorable it's a real story it's a real person like this happened it just one more you know of course more. it's traumatized for a movie but ego. he's just truly almost like idiotically kind and pure and you know, lo like logic would tell you, like, don't you just like pick up a gun, like it's don't shoot it, like, whatever. And it's it's like great. principled story. in this way that doesn't quite have like that same level of like raw raw that William Wallace has. And so, as an audience, like we find that more respectable. And I don't know if that's like manipulation. It probably is, but it works. And it because it's a it true does. story, and you're more trusting of it. And listen, we're talking about a director who made Passion of the Christ. Like he's a He's a rah-rah Christian, we know this. Even with the subject material here, I don't find this movie to be preachy. I don't, I, I really no, don't. I like I think I that, agree. I think they do Wait, a great job. A critical... No, no, it's, oh. it's not, but it so yeah. easily could well, be. It Mount is Gibson. with him. It is it's with Mount like, he, yeah, yeah, he gets pinned with that. But this movie could so easily be preachy and it's not. There's the one line in it, and again, we're not doing spoilers here with this, but there's the one line in it. He, the, the, the leading commander says, these men don't believe in God the way that you do, but 
they love the way that you believe in him. Or I'm yeah. paraphrasing a little bit, but they just they believe in they believe in you and your beliefs in him. I th- and they're not going up there without you. And I just it's just it's so it's so great. It's I, I love I think, that that arc that they I think does. to have I such needed a strong... that story to be based on a true story. Right? Oh, oh I know. So and, and when I watched it, I didn't too. know it was a well, I, no spoilers, but like I, I didn't, I did not know it was a true story. And when in the end of it, you just get, oh, it's yeah. it's real. This is real. See, it's good for the soul. Yeah, to have a strong passion about anything, whether you're religious or not, to see that type type of conviction. I, like, I take the gun and you know shoot or not shoot. Oh, he yeah. was so he was like badass in a way that like so for him not to touch the gun, that's badass. This, I really like that movie. This I'm not gonna was, lie. This was a and a year on the Oscars. I saw this before the Oscars that year, and he was an Andrew Garfield, who I think is a tremendously underrated actor. He was nominated for best actor that year, and this was an arm folded hate watching the Oscars moment for me because like I knew he yeah. wasn't going to win. I knew I knew Gibson wasn't going to win. I just knew it because it's, I'm surprised he was even nominated because they hate him so much. So I'm I'm watching it. I'm just like this is this you know this is not gonna he's not gonna win. I'm gonna be mad, and he didn't win. Uh, Casey Affleck won, talking about controversial people, but mm-hmm. Casey Affleck won for Manchester by the Sea, and I didn't see Manchester by the Sea, and I was like, ah, blah, 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 I'm I all like fired up. I watched that this year. What a movie. I like that oh movie. Oh my God. Not for the faint of heart. I mean, it is a heavy. Have you seen Manchester by the Sea? I started, and I was like, you I know, Yikes. I need to just have like a low moon yeah, moment and fully lean in. Like, I have to be like, that's in a, a dark, dark room. Yeah. That's a dark really movie. Snuggle. But yeah, what a performance. My God, what a performance. So like I look back on it, I'm like, all right, they gave it to someone who deserved it at least. As we always say, this is not a who should have won podcast. We do still talk about the other nominees of the year. We do want to give them some love, give them some moment in the spotlight. So this is the point where we do that. It's the year 1995 with the 1996 awards hosted by the great Whoopi Goldberg. So this is a weird ass year of nominees. It's like a big year in movies. And then we get a very interesting lineup. So I'm going to start with one of the oddest (laughs) best picture winners in the history of the Oscars. But like somehow... I agree with the nomination, but it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's Babe. Yeah, it's Babe definitely Babe. I love Babe. I, 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 I love animals and I, I mean, love animals. And if I, you I, love animals, this is the movie for you. I haven't seen the movie in many, many years, but I remember really, really liking it. So, so I f- first watched it in 2020, believe it or not. And? I loved it. I mean, it's a delightful movie. There's more layers to it than anyone gives it credit for. And I know the movie apparently made a bunch of people vegetarians and all that. And I listen, I eat meat because oh, really? I like meat, you know. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a oddly inspiring movie. And I don't know. It's I, I you know when we talk about some of the other movies that didn't get nominated, you're gonna look at Babe and be like, mm. but I don't know. It's kind of a good movie. The Danielle, what, have you seen Babe? I feel like I. Probably- yeah, I was kind of zero recollection. Yeah, that's kind of where exactly I was. Exactly what it is. For anyone out there who doesn't know Babe, here's the synopsis: Babe, a pig raised by <laughs> sheepdogs. <laughs> oh, Babe is a pig, by the way. Yes. <laughs> babe, a pig raised by sheepdogs, learns to herd sheep with a little help from farmer Hoggett, the aptly named. Yeah, so that's Babe, a good a good one. James Cromwell is uh, nominated for best supporting actor in that. Written by George Miller did the screenplay, he's the Mad Max guy, and believe it or not, he directed Mel Gibson in Mad Max, 
the original made of Mad Max in the 80s, and most of the battle scenes in Braveheart were inspired by George Mills' directing. So there's this weird circular thing between Braveheart and Babe. That sounds like an awkward Sounds like Braveheart. Sounds so like Babe should have won. Like, that's what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> okay, so next is, uh, this is the foreign movie that was up this year. It's Il Postino. I did not see that. Have you? I have not. And I try to watch one of these every time we do one of these episodes. Makes but sense, yeah. But... I watched Babe, first watch in 2020. I also watched two of the acting nominees, first watch, Leading Las Vegas and Dead Man Walking. Oh we'll talk gosh, about them in a second. Have been up there. Of course. But I watched both of them this year, so I kind of, and I wanted to see El Pacino, but you can, I couldn't find it anywhere. Literally couldn't find it anywhere. I, they're, they're the like, only way to find it. Hulu, Netflix. Not streaming yeah. anywhere. Couldn't even rent it. Really? And, have yeah. you gone to the Blockbuster in Oregon yet? <laughs> 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 couldn't make it out there for that. <laughs> But Il Postino, a simple Italian postman, learns to love poetry while delivering mail to a famous poet. Oh, that is so fucking up my alley. <laughs> I love that. And then he uses it to woo the local beauty, Beatrice. Now, the big story behind this one is, is that the writer and the lead actor, Massimo Torossi, passed away immediately after filming of the movie. So he got a posthumous acting and writing nominations. But he like he put everything that. into this movie and then like had a heart attack as they wrapped up filming. So oh, wow. it kinda had this big thing behind it and and that's kinda got the narrative there. But it's kind of been a little bit of a forgotten movie. I haven't seen it again. I wanted to check it out. But next I'm trying not to roll my eyes here and you can't see even if I do. But it's sense and sensibility. Did not see that movie. It's directed by Ang Lee, who would later go on to win Best Director twice, Brokeback Mountain. Do you have an issue with Jane Austen? I am an English major too, so that's why I'm saying I don't want you to see me rolling eyes. It's just kind of like the same thing again. Did you see Sense of Sensibility? And you, and you liked it? You loved it? I liked it enough. I'm like, I scratch my head as to why people liked Hugh Grant. I don't, like... Yeah, I agree with What is the deal with it? Yeah, but 90s Hugh Grant, what is the deal with this I like him possibly British and charming. That is like, I don't oh. think that he's good looking. I, I like Notting Hill. He is like was. one of my favorite he's not movies. Aged well. He's not aged I see. Well. I when when Hugh Grant comes on my television, I pray for a blackout. That's what, <laughs> that's what I want. Give me a blackout. Give me candles and Scrabble. I can't look at this guy. What I don't know. Him I just bothers I, you. I, it's his face. It's simply his face. I'm just sorry. That's it. It's just something about Hugh Grant. I don't know. Anyway, Kate, this kind of this kind of launches Kate Winslet, who I love, and uh, Emma Thompson writes and stars in it. I love. Yeah. British, period, anything. Well, you'll fit right into Best Picture Cast because there's a shit ton of them to talk about. But anyway, a rich Mr. Dashwood dies, leaving his second wife and her three daughters poor by the rules of inheritance. The two eldest daughters are the title opposites. So yeah, sense and sensibility. There it is. And the possible runner-up here, uh, directed by Ron Howard, but was not nominated for Best Director, Ron Howard's Apollo 13. I haven't seen that movie since I was like. I love space movies. Same. The top of the tier for me. This is the space movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Uh, I would agree. So I saw this in theaters as a kid for sure, and this is Tom Hanks. Like, this is Tom Hanks riding the Forrest Gump high, like after Philadelphia. But when's the last time you guys seen it? Didn't Forrest Gump win just the year before? The previous year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, Tom Hanks is on fire, and then he's got. 
He's got Castaway coming up right after this, the following year. When's so, the last time you guys have seen Apollo 13, though? Honestly, probably, probably when since I was the 90s. Yeah. Same, yeah. same. I'd love to rewatch it. it. I love space. I love not space. Not around, You don't see it popping up on streaming. You no, don't see you it don't. Yeah, you don't. I would really love to rewatch it. It was amazing. It. And you know what? Like, when you forget about the plot, you forget about the nuances of the film, but you remember how you felt, I think that yeah. matters most. What a cast, too. We talked about Hanks, Bill Paxton, Kevin Bacon, oh. Gary Sinise, Ed Harris, Catherine Quinlan. You had me at Kevin Bacon. Powerhouse <laughs> of the 90s. There's no one ever. Talking about male full frontal nudity in movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not sad about it. And in case anybody has been living under a rock, possibly a moon rock, <laughs> NASA must devise a strategy to return Apollo 13 to Earth safely after the spacecraft undergoes massive internal damage, putting the lives of the three astronauts on board in jeopardy. Good, solid movie. I owe Apollo 13 a rewatch. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. It's on my list. Yeah, so here is kind of like the issue with that list of very odd, very different best picture words. Different as far as like each other. Like there's like you have, you have a, the Scottish War in the 1200s. You have people landing on the moon. You have a talking pig. You have a British period piece, and you have a, an Italian postman. You know, so it's very, yeah, very but different also, movies. Yeah, um, Clueless was not nominated, and that's one of my favorite. <laughs> no, seriously, is that that year? Yes, nineteen ninety-five. It is one of my favorite. Wow, first of all, not it is one of my favorite movies of all time. So let's talk about the acting ones that won. We Dead Man Walking, which how does that not get up for for best picture? I mean, that movie's awesome have you guys seen that i've never seen it what a study of the death penalty i mean just incredible it's directed by tim robbins susan sarandon yeah she she wins best actress okay and it's directed by tim robbins star of my favorite movie shawshank redemption and he doesn't really direct anything else this is kind of this and sean penn is uh is the man who's uh on death row and you just get such a great look from both sides of the death penalty debate. It's not preachy either way. It just is. And, and it's a movie that you can just reflect upon the issue and think about it and figure out where you stand. Because it is a heavy issue and that movie really addresses it. So this I, I highly recommend it. It was not nominated, but it was, it was nominated for actor and one actress. Okay. And it was nominated for best director. Which is usually if you're nominated for best director, you're up for best picture. Right. And this is a weird one that wasn't. Ang Lee for Sense of Sensibility and Ron Howard for Paul 13 were not nominated for director, which was a surprise at the time. The other one here is Leaving Las Vegas, Nick Cage. That should have won. Should have won Best Picture. Yeah. Wow. Full statement. I saw that for the first time this year. Great movie. Oh, you just saw it? Just saw it, yeah. I've never seen it. It's not like a fun, joyful watch. It's heavy. That's not what I thought. I thought it was a fun, joyful watch. You have any put Las Vegas in a title? I'm like, oh, it's a fun, joyful watch. It's not. I think it's streaming as we speak. It's about alcoholism. Like the darkest sense. He's basically, he's trying to like kill himself through drinking. He's drinking himself to death. And that's not, it's right in the the synopsis of the movie. So, yeah. Person that loves him. Incredible performance by Elizabeth Shue. She's um, nominated for Best Actress, doesn't win. So they, the Dead Man Walking, Leaving Las Vegas kind of like split the difference. So like Sarandon won, Actress, Shue lost, Cage won, Actor, Penn lost. All four incredible performances. They split the difference. That yeah, it's fair. just kind of, you yeah. give it How you give did it neither away. of those make it into the Best Picture? I know, but they both got up for Best Director though. Huh. So, and then, you know, the directors didn't necessarily go on to ever direct again and the babe director never directed a movie again. It's very weird and year like with that. And the pig that year is like a bit of an anomaly in terms of the trends and patterns right. you've and seen. And the, the pig this, himself or? was never entered into best. Now, how about this too? You <laughs>
You go all out and nominate a kid's movie for best picture. Incredible. Like, like what a bold move. When it's, it it stands out. Yeah. When has it happened before? And the same year, you have one of the most influential kids' movies of all time, not nominated, and that's Toy Story. 1995? There's no way. Story. Really? It's, it's up for screenplay animated that year. Animated films did not get that credit. Like, but they there's, started... There's animated films, and then there's... Toy Story. Computer, and it got an honorary award for, for initiating computer animation. Like, I think it was a little How do you miss that? Like, you, you had it. You had it with Babe. Like, just... Pixar yeah. was it Pixar? Yeah, it's a very good. You know, yeah, so they, they didn't, didn't have the quite have that respect, and and the genre just just didn't get that type of reception. So I'm not surprised, but yeah, there, there, there's a, there's been. a lack of there's a lack of seeing beyond what's in front of you a little bit with these with this academy. But and this year is this is one of the most glaring years of it, where it's just like the nominees what? are all over the place. Like yeah. there's great performances, great movies everywhere, and they're just not connecting the dots properly. But here's, I'm just going to rattle off some other ones. Casino is this year. Mr. Holland's Opus. Yes. 12 great, great. Monkeys. Brad Pitt gets a nominee in that. Bridges of Madison County. Clint Eastwood directed. Uh, Seven. We talked about that. Yeah. I love Crimson that Tide. Batman Forever. The American President. Pocahontas. Waterworld. The Usual Suspects. Heat. And Before Sunset. Uh, I, did, I missed Clueless, so there you go. Clueless yeah. is in there Clueless. too. So good ones. I mean, if I'm looking at it, I can, and I think this is a perfect year where now we do 10 nominees. This one should have had 10 nominees. A whole bunch of these movies could have been there. I kind of probably flip-flop Toy Story for Babe. I love Babe, but maybe you could do that. i probably put, you take your pick between Leaving Las Vegas, Dead Man Walking. I kind of want Seven in there. Il Pastino, we pull out maybe. We pull Sense and Sensibility out. I don't know. but like foreign film category. Uh, yeah, which oddly enough, it didn't get nominated for. <laughs> oh, it's nominated for Best Picture, but not for. Maybe it wasn't released. I don't know. I don't know the dynamics of it. But there you go with that. And I did want to do one last thing, just because this has kind of become a new thing. The original song category in the '80s and '90s was always filled with absolute bangers, and this year is no different. Yes. I'm gonna give you the original song nominees, followed by the winner, and it's one of those. How did this one not win? How did that not win? But here we go. Nominees for original song. We will start with, I have not seen Sabrina, so this is kind of like the fifth place one for me. Uh, but it's John Williams, the great John Williams, Moonlight is the song, so that's probably your fifth place one there. Um, Bruce Springsteen gets in the mix with his song from Dead Man Walking, anytime Bruce is in there. I think he had just one for Philadelphia, so they're going to throw in this. The great Brian Adams, have you ever really loved a woman? Oh! You know what a song! From Don Juan DeMarco. Uh, great song. It's so amazing. Yes. A great song. Uh, could easily win. This is one of the most famous songs from a movie ever, and I had to do a double take that this didn't win. Toy Story, Randy Newman's You've Got a Friend in Me. Yeah. How is that? That's like, that's what you think of in songs and movies. And the winner, who doesn't love one of the most beautiful women of all time, Vanessa Williams, singing Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. <laughs> yes. Great songs. That's true. You can't, that's a good I one. get it. You can't kill it. it. You can't, I mean, You Got a Friend of Me is the one that's aged the best out of those songs. So that I mean, category is more stacked than Best Picture. <laughs> yeah, 100. It's there. It's there. But And and I watched the performances of that, and Vanessa Williams is just beautiful, beautiful woman. So to throw that out there. Ladies, we did this. We did we it. We did it. Thank you we made so it. much for having us. Did you have fun? Us? We, yeah, I, this I, I had fun. I mean, a bit nerve wracking at first, but it's always fun to just hang out with friends and really feel happy about it being hopefully the inaugural, but not the last 
ladies. Yeah, I'm already thinking about like what can we do next. Like what? I know. Like another... We'll have you girls back before we go. I do want to fire some quick Twitter questions at you. Just give me oh, quick man. reactions. We Let's won't go, go into depth. Okay. We start with uh, with Twitter. And uh, our own Grant C just kind of threw out there, and I, I don't know whether he was being serious or not, but he says, why do you think Mel Gibson loves depicting torture and agony so much in his movies? Well, that's between him and his therapist, clearly. <laughs> I don't really think it has anything to do with, like, him. I think it's just like, oh, I'm making a war movie. I'm just going to put war in it. Like, it's stuff that yeah. people don't really there's see like, There's, like, there's too many limbs and bowels going on. I, I don't think scene. there's anything psychological behind it. I, like, again, like, I just, like, watch movies. I was like, I think just do it in the movie. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Short writes, If Murrin can see everything that her husband does from beyond the grave, is she watching him have sex with Isabella? If so, how does she feel about it? I hope so, she's watching him have sex with her. That's yeah, so fun. Like, whatever. What else, are you do- what else are you doing? <laughs> Like, are I you honestly just... thought the same exact yeah. thing. I was like, you're just so bored. Just Getting like... into the odd metaphysics of, you know, like, I guess when you get to heaven, like, what if you were married twice? Or both wives there waiting yeah, for you? Yeah, like, why not? It, like, know? get it. Like, you know, I what he was doing was trying to be, like, trying to, like, fuck you to the king. So, like, why not? I'd be like, yeah, go for it. Just, like, try a different, try, a, try a different yeah. position next time. He'll be in the loins. Yeah, he, was, he was in the belly <laughs> after that, you know. The youth of his loins. How cringeworthy is the scene where Sophie Marceau has to rub her breasts to indicate that she's thinking about Mel? I have never rubbed my breasts thinking about anyone. Like, Certainly not so Mel Gibson, weird. right? No, it actually reminds me of Mean Girls with that one character. Oh, and she's talking about the, the weather. The weather. No, she's about the weather. Yeah, she rubs her breasts. Yeah, the weather, yeah. Mel Gibson, same thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> rapid fire along. Who? This is from Frank V on Instagram. Good old Frank the Tank. Who's the most badass character in Braveheart? Well, obviously, um, Hamish's dad. Yeah, you, you mentioned that in your MVP Yeah, there, he's Michael. been, like, injured a million times. He's just like, whatever, I'm just going to continue fighting the war. Uh, he's the OG for sure. OG. Followed by Stephen the Irishman. Yeah. Uh, and Which is why I think, I just think he's just such a wild card badass. The villainous king is, a, is kind of a badass. Kieran, what did I mean, you think when she was rubbing her boobs? Um... Um, you didn't answer the question. I, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I assume that's just how she went about her, you know, her daydreaming. I mean, I wasn't arguing. You know, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, you didn't yeah, that. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. What was the first question to? I didn't. I didn't answer the first question. When right. when um she's looking, she's dead, right? She's watching. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, a, that, that's steep. Yeah, I don't know. Are there layers of heaven? Do you meet one wife in one part of it, and the other right, one the other? Watching. I don't, I don't know. Her. Yeah, if you're if you mean ghosts are probably just hanging out, you know, watching this bang. You know, I, <laughs> I hope my loved ones up above are selective in their exactly. Yeah. I think, yes, I'm gonna go not she's there. She didn't right. see she's it. there in inspirational moments. She's not necessarily watching him like scrub his butthole, you know, yeah. like, that, like or maybe she is. Maybe that's what she, she likes. You know, why was uh, why was she rubbing her breasts while she thought of Mel Gibson? I don't know. I, I wasn't arguing. You know, I, I don't know. Right, but yeah. women don't do that. Just oh. FYI. But, but apparently, I mean, apparently Mel Gibson thinks they do. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. That's what women thing. want. You, you brought yeah. it up. Finally, and I hate to end on a negative note here. On a scale from 1 to 10, how bad of a person is Mel Gibson? Oh, I don't know. 5? I don't think he's a bad person. Danielle? But... Uh, he's pretty terrible, but to to wrap it up in a more uplifting note, I mean, he, he has said he struggles with alcoholism, and, and that's an addiction and an illness, and... We'll, you know, we'll give him some time to hopefully work it out. Yeah, I mean, 
loose lips sink ships. There's no doubt about that. And if that's how he's feeling on the inside, I mean, that's tough. I don't know the man. I, I don't pretend to yeah. get to know someone based on a, on a quote from a tabloid or whatever it is. I mean, I, I don't doubt that he said it, you know, but uh, who knows? You know, I try not to judge him. But anyway, shout out to David Cross from uh, the Award Wieners podcast. So I think he kind of meant that as a little bit of a joke is less of a serious question right, but of course check them out award wieners podcast they're great they do uh something similar to us here they go through all the awards and they dress up hot dogs based on the themes of the movies yeah so they, I, yes, I do that yeah. usually as well so <laughs> girls thank you so much for being here this was awesome closing thoughts mikola closing thoughts um braveheart didn't love it um didn't hate it way too long um but i really like talking about it so there we go yeah. i mean absolutely danielle final thoughts uh, just really grateful and happy to be here. This was a blast. Uh, likewise, didn't love the movie, but happy to have experienced it. And that's really the point, right? Objectivity and our opinions and uh, always happy to have you be so objective and understanding, Karen. And thanks for being a great host and good luck in year two. That's it. Thank you so much. I'm happy to have you girls here. And... We're going to have you back. You're part of the BPC family now. Yes. You're part of the team. Your voices Woo-hoo. are out there. And remember, we all die, but it's about how we podcast in the middle before <laughs> we, we get there. <laughs> do we Give really me Truly me podcast. Death. Freedom! So, thank you so much. Yes, yeah, so one final freedom for everyone. Thank you so much.